1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: Right into Hockey Talk on this Monday to start the show. Good afternoon, everybody. Andrew Filipponi, Chris Muller's in the house. So is Donnie. Football for the next four hours. Penguin 7, Flyers 6, the highest scoring game between these two teams in more than a decade. Uh, That was yesterday at the arena, final call. You couldn't really hear Kenny Albert because he was being drowned out by the loud horn that was going off celebrating the win, and then Sidney Crosby on it afterwards. And a five-point game for him, only the seventh time in his Hall of Fame career that that's happened. So, all right, let's do it. Go around the room here. Your biggest thought on maybe either the game or just the Penguins in general from this weekend, Chris? Biggest thought uh, of one of each biggest thought was even in a game where they
3: got a couple goals on the power play. Hey, the power play finally got rolling. They still surrendered just what could have been a backbreaking shorthanded goal. Uh, so that group still seems to be something you'd love to be able to start counting on it. Cause even during the game on TNT, um, they're talking about how the underlying numbers, which you hardly ever, I feel like, hear referenced in a in a broadcast, right? The analytics, the underlying numbers suggest this is a much better hockey team than they're playing. Like than they're playing as a lot of one goal losses. And boy, if that power play gets going, watch out. Yeah, I still didn't see anything from that game that has me convinced that the power play is going to break out or that I can trust them. So that's the immediate game thought. Still, obviously, better to win than lose. Because I think if they lose that game, you feel like. It's the unofficial end of the season. I know there's 20 plus games left. That would have felt to me like that's it. Very deflating. Right yep. now you can at least plausibly look at the fact that they're 7 points behind the Flyers but have four games in hand and like you can maybe it's a little lie you're telling yourself but you can still say, "Hey, we have 8 points dangling out there if we could close this gap." Um big picture man, I think waking up and looking at the standings again today and just seeing where it still leaves them after a regulation win. Two huge points, no three-point game there. It did just drive home the reality of the situation. Knowing that they have several games in hand, yes, on all of these teams that they're chasing, at least two games in hand on every team ahead of them in the standings other than the Capitals. It just drove home how crazy they are going to have to play down the stretch here to make this happen and probably get at least some help from one of
2: the teams ahead of them. They played the fewest games in hockey at 55. Donnie, you want to follow up on what Chris said? You have the same thoughts or something completely different?
4: I mean, to piggyback on it a little bit, I I did think that yesterday uh, was a way that they could delay the waving of the white flag because if they would have ended up dropping that game, another one where they had a multi-goal lead, I know it was sort of a – A pair
2: of them, two multi-goal leads. The worst lead in hockey they had, twice.
3: The worst lead in hockey, one that the Penguins are trying to protect.
4: And I think once Philly scored on – uh, with, with the empty net, everybody kind of holding their breath thinking, man, they're about to get another one and blow this, aren't they? Like I, I guarantee that I wasn't the only person that had that thought, but it, for now, kept them alive to me. Like I thought them blowing that game and losing it, that would have been start waving the white flag. We don't have to worry about this road trip. Kyle Dubas can make his decision tonight.
2: All right, so I have two. The first one I'll do is from the game at Sydney Crosby. And he loves to torture the Flyers, and I get, I think, delight and joy in watching him do it to this team's arch rival. And when all else fails and he's on the ice against that team, we can count on him to do very, very special, one-of-a-kind things. And that continued in this game, and they're putting up graphics during the game where he's literally the best hockey player ever against the Flyers. No in every category. No player that's suited up against that disgusting orange and black outfit, has put it to them or taken it to them like Sid has. So in these debates of where he ranks among greatest Penguins of all time or just greatest hockey players of all time, that is a little notch in his belt that when it comes to big rivalry games against that team, he owns them. Mm -hmm. The same way you look at Steelers, you define them a lot of times by how they do in Ravens games. Sidney Crosby has just made the Flyers and their fans sick over and over and over again. So that's number one. I think, though, more importantly, off of that game and off the weekend, is the stuff I'm seeing about the trade deadline. And we're dealing with reports that I frankly did not anticipate would be on the table. You have three of the biggest outlets or insiders who cover hockey all saying the same thing about what might happen. Mm-hmm. And it started Saturday night during hockey night in Canada. Elliot Friedman, who is the NHL's version of Adam Schefter, said this about the Penguins.
1: One position I do think that people have started to ask about and the Penguins will consider is goal. They've got Jari and Nadelkovic at the NHL level. They've got a really good prospect in Joel Blomqvist who's having a good year in the American Hockey League. And a couple of teams have suggested to me that you might want to add to the list of goalies who could be moved someone in Pittsburgh.
2: Okay, so Jari gets lumped in there with Nadelkovic and then Yoey writes the same thing, bold prediction on the trade deadline. The Penguins will trade a goalie. It's not just Nadalkovich and his Miles Garrett jersey in a one-year deal and whatever else. It's Jari getting thrown in there as a trade possibility. It's NHL Network insiders having a conversation before we went on the air, and the same thing came up, that they're getting calls on Jari. And it's, it's odd to me because they bet on Jari when he was coming off such a horrible ending the last year, when he kind of choked in those final games and was a big reason why they didn't make the playoffs. And Kyle Dubas looked at him and still thought he's worthy of a five-year deal that pays him more than $5 million. And now fast forward 55 games into this season and they're at least willing to trade him? I'm stunned by that.
3: I think it's a commentary on how much they are averse to trading anybody in their core which now really includes four people it seems like Eric Carlson treated here like
2: he is part of the core three and now that it's core four but we know Mike Sullivan loves Jari I'm not really sure why he hasn't won anything substantial or meaningful with Jari I think that's a big reason why Jari got resigned was because of that relationship the, the coach believes in him Mike Sullivan has a big voice and carries a lot of weight in the organization and they're still kind of, sort of in it, and they're not, and they're not opposed to it. And if he does get traded, what do you do in goal next year? Good question. What, what's you? What, you going stopgap? I, I don't. I. That's what I don't. That seemed to be something that was unappealing to them this past off season. You know, when I was talking about, we'll let Jari walk because he's probably not. Super duper expensive, but he ain't cheap, and he doesn't win big games. And they disagreed with that opinion then. Why would their opinion be different now when he's actually played well? Now he, this is a strange time for me to say that they gave up six goals yesterday. At least mm-hmm. one of them, I would say, was not good. But I, I'm look. I like the uh, I like the thought. Let me just say I I I agree with this. I would want to shop him. And I would be interested in trading him. But I'm puzzled that they feel that way, or at least they're not telling people who are calling, look, uh, you might as well, unless you're prepared to back up a Brinks truck here, we like our goalie that's in his 20s and is having one of his best years ever Does it mean
3: that they love Blomquist? And even though he isn't going to be maybe ready to be the guy for what, two years, let's say, instead of next year, it would be two years from now that... They are so I don't know if desperate's the right word, but motivated to try to retool around their big three that they're willing to dangle a guy they like, who they feel like maybe in NHL terms is paid a reasonable amount for what kind of, you know, play he's gonna give you. Do they feel the contract to the league at large with Jari is very appealing and is gonna bring something big back? I think I feel like trading goalies A doesn't happen a ton, like big name guys, yep. the main guy.
2: And I always feel like it's a crapshoot as far as whether you're going to get commensurate value in a deal. So, my opinion is different than I think what I thought theirs was. But, could you picture them trading him in the division to New Jersey and now he's their goalie for the next four years plus the rest of this season? And you only I feel like you only do that if deep down you actually think
3: he's not going to be an impediment to you com- yeah. competitively. Like, you might. We're how, not afraid how do you, to play this guy. How do you juxtapose that as to go back to where you started this with we like him enough to pay him and commit to him a lot of money when many of our fans would be more than happy to see him just leave how do you ju- how do you reconcile one side of it the way you actually treated him financially with the hypothetical that you might actually deal him inside the division that would be that would be the steelers what signing a guy quarterback's not the right one but you know what i mean signing a player to a decent deal and then somehow deciding to include that player
2: in like a blockbuster swap to the ravens while it was while it was i think universally agreed upon that the guy was having a good season right like the player not going to say Jari's been great but he hasn't been bad
3: let me let me think here it would be you signed Alex Highsmith to a deal you like Alex Highsmith you think he's higher end at his position you trade him to just pick one of the other three teams the Bengals we don't think he's so good that this is going to cripple us and they're willing to give us a lot for him he's having a good year but don't worry T.J. in T.J. you trust. I don't know. I guess that's not even a good example because they do have T.J. Watt. I think overall I'm thumbs up on this idea. Does it? Why? Because it tells you that their heads are maybe in the right place as far as we need to retool. It, it's
2: more for me about just what my long held opinion on Jari is. I'm not going to get fooled by what he does so, in February. Let me ask you games. something
3: then. If, he, if this does happen and he goes on and he plays better somewhere else, which I don't even think you could chalk up to coaching or anything else. Goalies are weird. They're very fickle, except for the best couple in the league. It sounds like, to me, if this gets done and then he balls out for his new team, you're going to be okay with that and not kill them for it because how could you possibly predict how it's going to go? It's a goalie. It's fundamentally unstable and and tough to measure. Well, I'm not going to shut the measure. door
2: on me not criticizing them. It kind of depends, too, on what they get back in the trade. I mean, I would tell you, like, they get back something that you feel like is a Well, is yes. Good. I mean, it, do you know what would be similar to? The decision that they made with the expansion draft of keeping – Murray over Flurry. I mean, it, ultimately, it was the wrong call, but I thought in the moment it was the right one. Right now, I think I would be totally cool with trading Jari, but that doesn't mean that the the uh, potential exists for it to make them look stupid. I just, I don't trust the guy in a big spot. And- well, if you don't trust him, then I, that, that just is pretty simple
3: here. You don't trust him, you might think he's having a good year, but that tr- mistrust or distrust is always going to linger in the back of your mind. You're going to be okay with it. I'd say this, it, it would be strange to see them make this kind of move this abruptly after not hearing a ton about it. I saw Starkey hypothesize it in a column, and it seems like it's just picked up and caught fire from there. I don't think highly enough Joe of the was player. just giving an
2: opinion. This is Elliot right. Friedman no, and Yoli it, talking it's just, about
3: it, which gives it a
2: huge I amount under, of
3: I understand that uh, stock here. I'm just saying it's odd that Joe gave that opinion, and now like, his opinion is actually catching fire, it seems, in real life. And
2: he should take a victory lap if they end up trading him. Because I will that tell would, you he, this. I saw
3: him right at first. My... My initial reaction, as long as I, I'm not reading that they're getting hosed in the return, would be fine. Because I just, what have
2: I seen that guy win in this uniform? All right, multiple reports at the, uh, the Steelers, the Penguins are taking calls on Tristan Jari and are open to trading him. Where do you come down on that? Our fans have been clamoring for more hockey talk. We're giving it to you to start the show. 412
1: Obviously, it's a huge game for us against a team that we're going to fight for a playoff spot. We've got a number of games in hand, but these head-to-heads are really important. You know, I thought we played hard. I thought we competed. Probably, for me, the most encouraging thing in the whole game was after the The end of the second, towards the end of the second period, there when, you know, we give up the goal against on the power play, you know, and we're going into the third period with a tie game. For me, the most encouraging part was just the resilience of the group going out in the third period.
2: Mike Sullivan there, fan hotlines presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh's trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. I told you we take your calls on the Penguins weekend. We will, 412 928 9370. And these reports that the Penguins are listening to offers on Tristan Jari. 412-928-9370 Four one two nine two eight nine three seven zero. starting with Preston he's on the fan hello Preston
5: hey guys thanks for uh taking my call sure um when it comes to uh Tristan Jari um I, I really think that the interesting thing is the fact that they they signed him to this contract um and I think the only reason you would see his name floated in trade talks by the Penguins is because of the year he's had I believe he uh, leads the league in in shutouts. Up there, them. he's got
3: six. I yeah. think last check he does lead the league. Preston.
5: Okay. Um, so what I'm saying is, I think the only reason you would see them float his name is to see if there is a team out there that feels like they're a goalie away from maybe making a run in the playoffs or something like that. The only problem with that theory is I, I don't I don't really think there is a team with his postseason track record that would be willing to give up a lot to get him well colorado so, would be
2: interesting they have a goaltending problem and they're right there and they've already won a cup and they probably won another i would feel good about that because you'd be sending him to the western conference he'd be out of sight out of mind for the next four right. years yeah but, but i
3: like the basic point here if you're trying to trade him to a team that's trying to make a playoff push no amount of goalie issues is going to make you feel like tristan jari career playoff choke artist it, it, Trying to think of who the biggest choker in, like, other sports is at a big position. Kirk
2: Cousins. Yeah, it would be like Greg Norman.
3: Exactly. I need to win a major championship. Give me Greg Norman. (laughs) Exactly. Preston, I think it's a fair point. Like, the teams that would need him, like the Avalanche, they can't look at him and say there's a track record. They'd say this guy vomits when the lights get the brightest.
5: Right. And, I mean, so, when you think of it logically, like, putting all that together, I don't like the idea because I just don't think you're going to get back uh, a lot for him.
2: I don't, and, well, well, what would you need to get back?
5: Um, I, I mean, to me, you'd have to get back a fair amount of draft picks that have some value to them. Like, what's um, that?
2: Give me just a ballpark.
5: A couple first-rounders, hopefully.
2: Okay. Thanks, Preston. Appreciate your call. The last big goalie trade, Darcy Kemper, went from Arizona to Colorado where he won a cup. It was a rental mm-hmm. before the season. He got a first and third, and it was for only one year. Now, he had been in the Vesna top 10, I think, two out of the three years prior. So he had played well on a bad team. Jari's 16th in the league in safe percentage. So he's had great highs where he's had those shutouts. He's also had terrible games. I give his season, like, I don't know, a B-minus, maybe a B. He's been solid. How about, like, a Robin Leonard getting traded to Vegas in 20?
3: Do you have what the package was? Second-round pick, uh, Stanislav... Damien, and Malcolm Subban. Who turned
2: into nothing. Subban uh, I'm is just, a bust.
3: Yeah, I'm just looking at some of the, like again, recent ones. Uh, like, Luongo got dealt way back when. See, it's one thing for
2: us to say we do it because we think that Jari isn't to be trusted in big games. But they gave him a contract to be their goalie in the crucible of the playoffs in what was left of the Sidney Crosby era. And so I don't think that the 55 games they played this year would have changed their mind on that. So trading Jari for a second-round pick just to clear yourself of the cap space, I would be absolutely stunned if Dubas did that.
3: There's also the chance that this, is, that this is, in his mind, one of those. We do feel like there's a ready-made, not a ready-made replacement, but a guy we feel very uh, good about in the minors. It only takes one team that really does talk themselves into it. If the deal is right, if the deal reaches our internal valuation, do it. Because he's an asset that we feel
2: is replaceable. Here's Bob on the fan. Hello, Bob.
6: Hi. Uh, I, I was against uh, Jari when, when they let Murray go. Uh, because I, even though he was all-star at that time, I just could not trust him because of a month of rebounds he gives his style of goalie and also i just don't trust him he comes in at one game all the way i mean shout outs and then he goes to sleep and last game i don't think that helped his statistic but i hope somebody that really needs goalie and they uh value if uh, you um, don't trust him
3: bob and you've
2: and you've got good reasons maybe why i just i go back to saying why would any other team yeah. The teams that are mentioned in the in in Yoey's write up are Toronto, Carolina, and Colorado. Okay, Colorado like Carolina and Colorado are legit contenders and Toronto's won like seven games in the a only, row. The only way I would say the only way I could say like one of those teams
3: would make that, that move and feel good about it is if you're now, granted, when I say the Maple Leafs really or the Hurricanes, but especially the Leafs and the Avalanche, I'm talking about two teams who score a ton of goals. If you think he's better than what you've got and you trust your offense to stay pretty much steady even through the postseason, okay, maybe. But there's four more years left on the
2: contract too, right. Chris. You have to
3: you have to find a team that I think is goalie needy and thinks that this guy is about to blossom.
2: Our number two fan, Jeff in South Park, on this topic. Hello, Jeff. Hey, guys. How are you? Good, Jeff.
6: Um, so, you know, you talking about how uh, you, you couldn't see how uh, Dubis would change his mind as quickly as he would if he were to trade Jari. I don't really know that it's all that different than you saying exactly one week ago that uh, Eric Carlson doesn't seem to be a fit and uh, we should uh, look to dumping him. I mean, it's, it's kind of the same mindset. So, you know, Dubas came in from oh, the outside. Why? But then,
2: Jeff, why wouldn't he include Carlson in that then? Um,
6: I think Carlson is somebody that he coveted back to his time when he was in Toronto. And uh, I, to me, that was, that's going to be like his signature move, and uh, he's going to ride or die with it. Coming in from the outside, I remember one of his early press conferences. He was very honest about how he wasn't uh, all that familiar with Jari. And um, I don't think the goalie options were great last offseason, and I think he must have, after extended conversations, when Mike Sullivan got the Sullivan seal of approval. Me, personally... Like, I say good riddance to Jari. I mean, you know, Chris, you've, you've mentioned a few times about how if we lose uh, Jake Gensel for nothing, you know, at the very least, we get his salary off the books. It would be the same thing. Like, I mean, if you have a taker, and I don't even care. I, I, I don't even care. Like, if you can get just one first, I don't care what other, you know, ancillary things they would throw in the trade. Like, I say good riddance to
2: Jari. I mean, we got you, I, Jeff. We got you. Good takes uh ruts fan twitter's well, no, brought just, by south hills key and peters township I'm just i'm laughing i think he wanted to try to figure out something else to say but all he had was get just the hell get out of here Yeah, get out of town the door hit you on the way out okay
7: i know when i worked at duke i think every time we lost on the road except for at north carolina on And I think we lost here once, here at Pitt. But I think every time we lost, there was a court storming. I'm not saying that I'm against court storming totally. When you have situations that just happen against Wake Forest, when you saw the situation that happened earlier in the year with Caitlin Clark, it it makes me lean towards that if you can't have it under control.
2: Jeff Capel moments ago on the uh, court storming incident down at Wake Forest. His team, the Panthers, Knocked up Virginia Tech Saturday, 79-64 to keep their NCAA hopes alive. And tomorrow night will be a massive game for them on the road at Clemson. If you didn't see it, Kyle Filipowski, probably Duke's best player. Wake Forest students uh, rushed onto the court and he got tripped up. Had to be carried off. I haven't really seen anything on the extent of his injury. I'm guessing it's not that bad. Because we would have seen news like he's out multiple weeks or it's season ending or something like that. So... Maybe just turned an ankle or whatever and is going to be fine. But that has caused the sports take universe. industrial com- The take industrial complex has fired up in a- with to- a vengeance. To revisit this. Court storming. Should it be banned? Jay Billis, who is usually the smartest guy in the room. If he's not, he's going to act like it anyways because he's a lawyer and he went to Duke. He had this to say about it today on ESPN.
4: You don't have to stop the court storming. One time, all you have to do is once they're on the court, don't let them off. Just just say you're all detained
7: and give them all citations or arrest them if you want to. And then court
3: stormings will stop the next day. There's no accountability for this. It, 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 the fans feel like it's an entitlement. And the universities like it. And the truth is we like it. Arrest them. How's that going to go when... Like, a student sees, like, another student getting cuffed. It's just going to create a stampede. What are you going to do? Have, like, 200 cops in attendance? Now, or I are there
2: simply to write up tickets? I will say, though, to uh, not completely disagree with Jay on this, it is a contradiction that professional sports, if somebody goes on the field at a Pirates game, they get arrested and taken Banned to jail. Banned for
3: life, by the way, from the, usually from the venue.
2: Yeah. But in college sports, it's like, hey, we pulled a big upset. Come on down. You're the next Stop contestant. Stop on the court. On, get your phone court. out. Yeah. Make a video of it. Put it up on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. If somebody gets hurt, who the hell cares? And he's right to say we love it
3: because if he's talking about just we as fans or the royal we ESPN, look at that. What does ESPN use as like part of their promo packages for college hoops? shots of people storming the court after huge wins yes the excitement of the fans
2: in those situations what is the
3: most famous picture or infamous picture of Malzi literally ever taken Robert Robert Morris in Kentucky so and that was a very cool thing to witness happen
2: however there's a part of me did you fear for your life in that moment no
3: because they moved us because they knew we were going to get trampled if we didn't move from the media area because the way the kids had to come good job by the colonials it was a very good job by them um I here's, here's where I'm at on this When you're in college, you don't want anybody that's even my age now telling you this is what you should or shouldn't do. Like, college is about basically being kind of an idiot. You
2: know, you have some
3: drinks and you do some stupid stuff. Well, there you go.
2: You just used the key sentence there. Yeah,
3: 15 years from from now, you is going to be embarrassed about. But
2: most of these people are probably drunk.
3: Yeah, I I guess I'm more on the side of it of, like, you probably should stop this. Because what is going to happen at some point is one of two things, or maybe both. Somebody's actually even if it's inadvertent gonna like tear an ACL a player because they just stumble on somebody or a player's gonna Get pissed off enough and you don't see this in football because everyone's huge and they're wearing pads So it would be like a, a crazy thing to try a Players gonna get mad enough that they're just gonna cold cock a student and possibly like
2: cause serious harm And Guess what? I'd have zero problem with that. If so it would I but
3: the student is still gonna sue whether or not they were, are able to win the suit is but another But they're breaking story. the law by being on the court. They're
2: trespassing. I
3: understand that. I actually think of all people, I can't believe I'm saying this, Adam Crowley had the best solution. Your fans, because it only happens in, like, home venues when you upset the road team, right? You don't storm the court for, like, a random home win against a 10-point underdog. Okay. You forfeit the game immediately. So say, say you're... Um, who's the worst team in the ACC this year by record? Right now? Like Miami uh, or somebody. Louisville. Louisville. Or- so say say Louisville hosts Duke, and Louisville pulls off the upset of their season, and those fans storm the court. Oops, sorry, your ass just
2: lost. I don't think you could do that because what about the Trojan horse scenario? What if people come in who are fans of the other team, and they dress in the garb of the home team, and they get themselves on the court afterwards, and there's like eight or ten people? I'm
3: talking about it's got to be an entire court storming. Like, I'm talking hundreds. Hundreds whole, of thousands. Yes, if you've got a couple Trojan horse idiots, I think them being the only ones so to run So you'd set the, a
2: number like if there's 500 kids out there. If
3: there's, like, over what? 100 kids out there on the court. That's a lot, dude. You're not getting 100 people flying up from Duke just to try to screw over Louisville. I'm, I'm serious. I, think, I don't think Crowley's idea on its basic merits is terrible. You can try to poke little holes in it like, yeah, the Trojan horse example, but I really think that that would stop it. Can you imagine the uproar? If Pitt goes on the road or Pitt hosts whoever, Duke, beats them, A 100 idiots run on the court, not that they would and they don't hear, and they cost them the win. My
2: biggest thing is when I used to partake in hooligan behavior, I thought I was hypocritical to speak out against this thing, against this kind of stuff. But now that I'm in my late 30s and an idea of a good time is not getting blackout drunk at a game – and thinking, oh well, if we pull this upset, will I go out there on the court? Now that that is a non-starter for me in life, you're happy see, to rip these people. Well, because but I see all of the negatives Look of Look
3: at it. these morons. There's a kid already doing like he's trying to dive onto the court. Well, that's the other thing. What if a fan
2: gets trampled? You know, yes. Here, I'm watching another one. No, you're not. You're just seeing a guy make threes. Oh no,
3: that's South Carolina, Donnie. Yeah. you want to chime in on Look this? At them.
2: You're the. You're
4: Look at the them. Uh, what opposite does, of the elder statesman on the show. What does the forfeit route do for the budding analytics of college basketball, though? The net rankings? Tough luck. Your t- you
3: might have cost your team a bid. Because, say... I, I, Little Jimmy, the
4: sociology major, and all his idiot buddies might have cost the team a bid. Yeah, I mean, say it's a bubble team. I mean, well, kind of that case there. I mean, Wake Forest probably in now after that. But a bubble team that beats a top-ten team in the country. But say it's a blowout. Too bad. Too but then bad, how, how so did, sad. Y- yeah, but so are again, you for
3: or against it? He's too close to his college days to be against no, I, it. No, I
4: brought it up. I brought it up yesterday morning. I just said I'm not going to bash it and say it has to go away because I don't have a plan to stop it. And if the people who but say doesn't this it absolutely happen at has PNC to Park be anymore,
2: it used to happen after the Pirates would win World Series games 40 years ago. We'll put an in, it put an end to it there. I don't see all kinds of, like, security forces. I think force I think they just started they did start arresting people.
3: Yeah, remember when Hank Aaron went around the bases and those two jamokes yeah. were running with him and he's trying to, like, basically forearm shiver them? I just think people
2: stopped doing it. But they haven't at college games.
3: But I was told that our generation was the bunch
4: of idiots, and yet I've got videos of guys in old golf tournaments diving and breaking their arms
2: yeah, to get I the
1: mean, ball out of the hole? You're,
4: you're not going to have, like, the National Guard at a basketball game just in case there's an upset. Like, you're going to have... What, a couple dozen security guards? I know, but what can they stop? But
2: we've seemed to have tamed
4: our behavior
2: at other sports. NFL Scouting Combine Week underway. We'll have coverage from there. Guys like Mark Cabali, Ray Fittipaldo will jump on with us throughout the week from Indy. Omar Khan expected to talk, not so much with Mike Tomlin. As we get into the NFL's meat market, this is report day. They get there, they get weighed, they get measured. They start the interview process with these teams. The workouts will be uh, televised on NFL Network, where we get Daniel Jeremiah and, before that, Mike Mayock talking about bubble butts and things of that nature. Uh, Chris, will you watch a lot of it?
3: Uh, if it's – I mean, isn't most of it on during our show? Like, no, these, I think – What is it run in the morning and then later in the I think afternoon and nights. they uh, made it a primetime event. Honestly, man, I- I'll catch a little bit of it
4: here or there, but – no, most of it I won't watch, Donnie. Most years it's an easy yes. Uh, however, Florida for you yeah, guys, Sarah and I are taking a little trip to Tampa, leaving Wednesday night after the show. So probably not much of it, but for good reason. Pony? Will you have
2: FOMO? Will you have like a missing out?
4: Uh I'll I'll, I'll see what what the scuttlebutt is on. Oh, Twitter. and there will be scuttlebutt. Oh yeah, Pony, are you going to
2: scuttled. I will watch more of this than I'll care to admit. Yeah, When I was down in uh, Deep Creek a couple of uh, years ago with some buddies, down there you could bet on it. You can't in Pennsylvania. But you could bet on how many reps a guy would do. They'd set the over-under. They'd have an over-under on the 40 times. I mean, I got into it. That really juices it up.
3: Mixed. Mixed bag. What did you feel was your best uh, combine thing to bet on? Well, so
2: this is what I did. So I... I looked at what the number was, and then I would look up to see measured or recorded 40s or projected 40 times. Of course, times. you do your homework. And then I would do the opposite of what that information told me.
3: The Costanza.
2: Yep. Because yeah. if if any, you know, Dick, Tom, or Harry could look up the 40, like, okay, they project this corner to run 4-4. Four, four. The total set at 4-5. I'm going to go over because they. I'm going to assume they know more than, than we do. And it that it did okay. It didn't do great. It's not like I like got now, rich or anything. Now were
3: your buddies that were down there with you appalled
2: at this behavior? No, riveted. Or, or I think actively s- I, joining. I think in. spellbound is the word I would use.
4: I bet on it. the fastest offensive lineman a few years ago, and I I got it. Who? Kellen Deach. Oh yeah, the kid from Arizona State. Right? What the hell? Got, how would you get inside? He didn't info? he
3: run like an insane just a number? random
2: bet. He ran a yeah. crazy number though. I feel you. like. Uh, Dulac is put out. Five biggest Steelers draft needs, like the five positions they're looking to use their first round pick on, is how I read this. What are the five positions that are up for pick 20? Inside linebacker is the first position. You've, you're vomiting on the yeah. air if the sound is. Stop. Of this.
3: Yes. Memo to the Steelers from your pal Mulsey. Stop burning first round picks. On inside linebacker, So no matter the inside linebacker care. they draft, you'll no, get the great enough. Yes. I don't care. It's the running back of the defense. Donnie, do you feel
2: that way? You'll give it an Stop F no matter it. who they take it. If it's the 20th pick on an inside linebacker, it's a bad pick no matter what for you?
4: I mean, it's virtually now treated as the running back of the defense. Like, you're going to be able to find value in that much later on. I mean, we, we saw last year. They had guys who were certainly no superstars at inside linebacker and their play was more than favorable.
2: Um, Do I agree with that? It was it got the job done basically their inside linebacker play. Yeah, I
4: guess it did. It was better than the group that, yeah, was, that it was. was headed by a, a former top ten pick. It was the
3: gold standard, as I've mentioned a million times to make this example right now in the NFL is Fred Warner. No one really disagrees with me there. He's the best mid round pick. That's third been a round stun. pick, seventieth guy overall. Devin White is not a good inside linebacker. He's a below average. He player. went before Devin Bush. He went fifth in the draft. Luke Keekley is going to the Hall of uh, Hall of Fame. Excuse me, and Luke Kuechly. Was a top pick,
2: but Dulak starts the. Uh, I
3: just I can't get behind his that first sense.
2: The Steelers will continue their search to find the next Ryan Shazier.
3: See, I just you know what really bothers me about it, man. It's just another example of them being completely and totally unable to deviate from their priors. Like they'll tell you, we need a guy who communicates really well. We need a guy who does this, that, and the other. We we think that guy's a tone setter, just the way they say we love building the offense around a running back. NFL teams now. On defense, I think view edge rusher as hugely important and they view cornerback as hugely important. Yep. Probably flip flop the order
2: of the two. We're all in agreement here. I would not be happy if they drafted an inside linebacker in the first round. 4129289370, if you want to chime in on that. Next position he has potential first round pick for the Steelers position. Center.
3: I'm okay with it only if they get powers Johnson, who I think is just an obvious
2: now he writes here guy. Cesar Ruiz is the last center to go in the first round. 2020 from Donnie Cesar Ruiz I want to say Michigan you are right Linderbaum wasn't drafted in the first round yes he was he was that wasn't isn't that more recent than 2020 yes that was 22. okay someone get a hold of the post-gazette and say Jerry hey, hey Austin Bittner you might want to edit this Adam Bittner, Adam Bittner. why is it Bittner's fault here well, don't I,
3: say don't bring up Bittner right, he's cause... gonna be listening then he's gonna well, say I that thought he I, was did the, I
2: thought he was the editor there no
3: I pony I am not my post-gazette's
2: keeper you talk to those guys more than I do, though. You you're infiltrating Bat Ghost chat today?
3: I don't know. I actually have to check on that effort. We had a had a cavalcade of WWF superstars. All right, in the so
2: chat. a center. There's one guy who's considered a first round.
3: I think he's the guy. only acceptable choice there. If they're going to draft a center, listen, Zach Frazier could be a great pick if he lasts to their second round spot at fifty one. But it's got to be Powers Johnson. Let me put it this way: if Powers Johnson goes somehow at like seventeen. They better not panic and say we have to draft a center here. No way.
2: I don't want that because that's what happened with Kendrick Green. They panicked. They needed a starter to replace Pouncey. They picked Najee and Fryermuth first and like, oh, my God, we don't have anybody on our roster. And they just picked a guy who, by the way, didn't even want to play center. Uh, I, I would be okay with that. I'm not, But only if it's the one guy, right? I probably. Mean, one,
3: there's, it's a one-player drafted at that position for the first round.
2: Okay, next, Jerry, is offensive tackle. If
3: you know I'm fine with this. This is how you build, I think. You bookend me either with Marius Mims or even the kid from uh, Oregon State, whose name I'm going to butcher, but he's thought of as a guy that would be legit at pick twenty. I'm I'm good with that. Yeah, man.
4: I haven't tried to say his name yet. Uh, Tyler Guyton, too, the Oklahoma kid. He's he's been rising. Why, up is, since the, the, why uh, is the Why is the Why is
2: the Oregon State guy such a hard name to do? Tal- here? I, it's his first name. I think his last name's Fuaga. American Samoan kid.
3: Uh, well, born in Tacoma. I'm assuming yes. He's he's. American Samoan? I, I don't know for sure. I just know he was Polynesian. Sounds I, like a Polynesian I believe name. he's from the Pacific Islands somewhere, yes. Have you
2: guys seen the sports movie Next Goal Wins? No. I watched it over the uh, weekend. Have you seen it, Donnie? It's called Next Goal Wins. I have not. American Samoa had a team, a soccer team, Yeah. that they tried to get into the World Cup. Yeah. And they recruited a guy who had coached for us to be okay. their coach. And How'd their goal go? was to just score one goal. And, and they ended up actually beating a team 2-1 Tonga. Oh, and it's based Throw on Throw out the record it's And it's, and it's apparently based on a true story. But what I don't get about that is American Samoa is an American territory. Correct. Their players should be playing for us. They shouldn't be their own sovereign well, nation in the World Cup. There is Samoa, the country. I know. This is American Samoa, though. Hmm. Huh. That's a good question.
3: Are there any? There's no other territories that play in the World Cup or compete that way. Well, By if the way,
2: American Samoa has a team, then Puerto Rico should have a team in the World Cup. Puerto Rico has teams for the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, well, they? I don't agree with that either. It's a, it's, it's basically a state, except it's not. If it was a state, they wouldn't. Have I went one. to Puerto Rico a couple of springs ago. No passport needed. Yeah, American, it's an American currency territory. fine. Yes. Yeah.
3: I know probably most so they, of the people there spoke at least some English, probably a decent amount of so it. So I don't
2: know why they should be competing on their own in, in the Olympics gotta or the world.
3: You got to get to the Cup. bottom of
2: this. By the way, Talisa
3: Fuaga for anybody. Talisa Fuaga. See, yeah,
4: I Alabama th- guy, JC Lake. Everyone thinks
3: too. he's going to be I, gone I, before 20. i done
2: neither of you guys have seen this, especially you Chris cuz you like soccer.
3: Not that much, I mean.
2: It's not a documentary. It's a movie that came out that uh Will Arnett's in it. No, I've I've heard of the movie. I just haven't You like haven't Will watched. Arnett? He's all right. He plays the same guy and everything, but I'm fine with it. He's
3: just kind of douchey. Yeah. Like, that's, well, hey, look at me, Will Arnett.
2: I bet you want to punch this face. That's the exact character he played in this. (laughs) He was the head of the Soccer Federation. Just a snarky douche And and he was sleeping with uh, the coach's Uh, ex-wife. Of course he was. Yeah. Yeah, he's just a dirt ball. I don't, but I, I, someone will have to explain that to me, why the American Samoa even had an international soccer team. When that's, if they have good soccer players, we should be getting them. Hey, look, you're talking about it's like it's, uh, you know, procurement of goods here. Um. All right, the other two positions, I'll just put these together that Jerry has. Yes. As Steelers' potential first-round pick positions. Yes. Safety and corner. Uh, if
3: I'm, okay, I will say no to safety, actually, believe it or not. I know they've got a very good player who's a first-round safety who kind of does everything. And maybe the best safeties, you can move them around. Like Cooper DeJean is already getting talked about probably, you know, because people think he's too big or too heavy, but he's plenty athletic enough to play outside corner.
2: Why are they going to say safety? Because he's a white guy. And yes, hasn't actually, been a actually
3: white yes. Guy I, I was going to say Jason it. Seahorn? Correct. Yes, they're saying because he's a white guy that he's going to play. He's going to maybe move
2: to safety, and he's big. He's not doing any workouts at the combine, by the way. He's because com- he's still coming off that injury, right? Late well, in he's, the year.
3: in terms of freak athlete, he's right up there with anybody. Um, in order. Positions that I would be okay or that I would, you know, how I'd rank those five Jerry puts out there. It's pretty clear for me. It's tackle, corner, almost one and one A. It really is. Um, Center, three. God, I guess, gun to my head, safety, four. And then distant fifth is I O D. I I would put
2: inside linebacker ahead of safety. You've already got Minka. We're gonna use a first round pick on a guy to play. I next just feel team. like if, I feel like me?
3: I feel like if I get a safety who's enough of a versatile playmaker, I can move him around and use him as an overall just weapon in the second round. No
2: quarterback, no wide receiver on this list. So he doesn't think that they'll even look around for a quarterback in the first round, and they won't sniff around on a wide receiver, even though Johnson's in the last year of his contract. Allen Robinson is probably gonna get cut and Calvin Austin is not a future starting wide receiver. So you really have Slim Pickens with George Pickens at the position. That's it. Big picture,
3: you got yes. one guy. I think they got to try to use a day 2 pick on on wide receiver potentially. Why they not did, well, day 1? I just I can't justify it. I feel like there are too many needs elsewhere. I still think that offensive line is more valuable than than using 20th pick on a wideout. I do.
2: But if you're saying there's
3: only one center, if he's gone. Well, here's the other thing. I'm not, I am not. I haven't looked at next year's draft class. I'm just willing to bet on principle with how much we feel like there, we hear that there's a dearth of great line play anymore. This year is a definitively All right. is a deep draft for linemen. You don't know that that's going to be the case ever.
2: Fan hotlines presented by Sullivan Super Service. Pittsburgh's trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. Draft season really gets going with the combine this week. So pretty simple question, and I'm always interested to hear what Steelers fans are thinking regarding the draft. What is the Steelers' biggest draft need? 412-928-9370. If the perfect storm happened, in in the best player available at pick twenty was also at a position of need. What would you want? Four one two nine two eight nine three seven zero. Here is Orlando on the fan. Hello, Orlando.
8: Hey, how y'all fellas doing?
2: Hey, man. What's up, man?
8: Uh. I'm really interested in the draft. Uh, I think, honestly, like the best pick they can do at number 20 would be the center. Because, I mean, if you look back on the great stiller chains we always had a really good center. And you can kind of navigate and push people around and sit them in, the, in a in position to win. And I also think since they didn't use Washington at all and they only use him in the block, I think they're going to do what they did with, um, uh, what's his name, who uh, – who left the Steelers uh, wasn't, he was a uh, tight end. Um, He was all all pro too. Uh,
3: What convert him to tackle. Are you talking talking about Kevin? Yeah.
8: I think they're going to make him, you know, the tackle. I think they're going to use the wide receiver to try to maybe negotiate a, a middle linebacker. So,
3: I don't think that they're going to um, – Orlando, I don't think they have any plans to move Washington to tackle. I mean, I, I've seen people write about it who would know, who just say that that's not – Steelers insiders seem to think
2: his knees aren't built for it. Yeah, his knees that, aren't built weight. for
3: it. He would actually need to be almost more athletic than he actually is at tight end at tackle, and his knees – his one knee is I is like the sound of the idea,
2: but the the people around him just think that he's not – he physically can't withstand the, the added weight, the bloat. That would come with and it on those to put on, knees.
3: He'd have to put on like at least, what, 40 pounds probably. Considerable blow, yes.
2: Yeah. Um, Big I, weight gain. I would also
3: say that there are times when somebody says, I like center at 20. They've always had great centers, the Steelers, for their best teams. And I would say, well, you don't always have to have like that anymore. You don't have to be beholden to that. But, I mean, Jason Kelsey anchoring great Eagles teams. Creed I mean, Humphrey. Yeah, most great teams really do have a really good center, it seems like, these days. So I'm, I'm, well, then, I'd be fine I, with that if it was uh, Powers-Johnson.
2: Yeah, I really would be. I, I, I think I would be too, because he seems like
3: a big, big, big time prospect. And but so I, don't, I don't feel like that's a that's an over. But I don't think it's their biggest need. What do you think of the five positions Jerry put out? The biggest actual need is. Then? I think it's offensive tackle. Well, then you and I are still aligned then, because that that's still where I default to. For me, it's tackle, corner, then center. If then my two safety, options are, and then, you know,
2: I'm trying to draft what I think is a great franchise player with my first round pick. Would I, would I rather, would I prefer a center or a tackle? Tackle. Ta- I mean, it's a more valuable position inherently. That's the other part. Even though I just did Jones last year, I think more stinks. And I'm just like I was puzzled by their love affair with Chooks until it finally ended yeah. abruptly this year. I don't get why the guy continues to get starts and, and continues to get rewarded with that job, which is a coveted job and like the most important job on the line. And I think mean, the best you can say about Moore is that he's been adequate. And I don't even think that's right. You know what just had me thinking, though, now that you've brought all this
3: up? So and Mim- he can't
2: play right tackle. So, that, so get that's, him the hell out of here. So
3: that's the thought I just had. They were pretty kid gloves as far as getting Jones into the lineup to our dismay and the dismay of others, right? You would agree? Yes. And Jones had limited but more experience than Mims, who's thought of as, like, maybe even higher ceiling physically, but a pure right tackle. Just for argument's sake, if you draft a Marius Mims and your plan is he's a right tackle, he plays right tackle, Jones swings back over, fine. But you almost have to be then at peace, I think, with starting him from day one with eight college starts under his belt, which their handling of Jones last year would suggest they
2: are not. They would never do it. Right. Here's Nate next. Hello, Nate. How you doing? Hi, Nate. You're on the air. Yeah, um, I just want to talk about the Deontay Johnson problem. I don't know why... They have to look somewhere in
8: the draft for a wide receiver. I don't know why they haven't cut Allen Robinson yet for the sake of cap space. But I'm tired of the Deontay Johnson drama. It's ridiculous. Every year a contract comes up, he wants to hold out. I'm not even sure he's a number one on any team in the NFL. Sure, he's a number two, whatever. He's all right. But my main thing is obviously tackle,
3: corner, whatever. They got to look for some offensive talent at wide receiver. So you want okay? Would you take a wide receiver at pick twenty and be happy with it if that's what they did? (laughs)
8: I mean, there's so many studs in that draft that are going to go early. I mean, I think the hard part is you almost have to think they have to go in the first round to pick a wide receiver. But you wait till 51, I'm not sure he's going to be there. But if they got a stud, like an actual dog at 20, yeah. I mean, I, that would make me happy as a fan.
3: All right, here's a random player that if they were to draft this guy in the... I don't even know where he's projected to go. I know it's not the first round from what I've seen. This Malachi Corley guy. Western Kentucky, Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers. He's a Debo Samuel type. Yes, he they is. Find a, a way to screw him up. He is a guy from Florida and a guy that looks like a monster who's going to test very well. The Jack well. of
2: all trades guy who doesn't have a defined position, that like fits in theory the Arthur Smith offense. Yeah. Because it's positionless football with him. Look at what he's done with guys like Cordell pa- uh, Patterson. But I still would like, I need to see it to believe it with them negatives on Corley poor footwork and hand
3: usage as a route runner and lacks detail poor spatial awareness as a route runner runs into contact well then how is he running back like if he's running routes and just running into people
2: wait a minute like with the ball he's got these you know when he's actually when he's
3: actually running routes he just like it's the, this negatives thing just a random bleacher report scouting report makes it seem like he just accidentally runs into people while he's running routes Hardly asked to do anything but screens, flats, and crossers at this stage of his uh, career.
2: Follow us on Twitter. Brought to you by South Hills Kia and Peters Township. Southhillskia.net. The NFL scouting combine gets underway this week. What is the Steelers' biggest draft need? Is it quarterback? Steelers fans are obsessed with the draft. That's why I know I won't be the only one who's glued to the TV this week watching... Guys work out in spandex. Not as revealing as the uh new baseball uniforms, but still you see a lot. You know what? When uh
3: how it's changed in that regard. You remember when Brady ran his uh his very infamous like very slow forty? He's just wearing like cotton, like baggy shorts you could buy at Dicks and just a
2: t shirt, dude. What? When did it all? When did they change it up? Well, even in the picture of him when he gets weighed in, he's got like flannel boxer he, he shorts. He looks on. like
3: he's in like a, a military situation where they're weighing every recruit. He's just standing there, and it now Under
2: Armour, whoever it is that outfits that, they'll have very specific stuff. Weigh in shorts. Uh, a couple of notes here: the Falcons apparently want to trade up for a quarterback. They want to move from eight up to one of those top three spots. That would make me think that Plan A for them is not Justin Fields. The Bears uh, want the, quote, bones in place for a deal at the end of the combine, and there's urgency to trade him. It doesn't look like Atlanta is the number one suitor. I really don't know who is. The Raiders have the offensive coordinator who got fired in Chicago because he couldn't make fields work the way that the Bears wanted him to.
3: figure that's a poison Uh, pill for that.
2: Right. I mean, the Vikings are going to wait on Kirk Cousins. They're not going to trade for fields and... Uh, shut that door prematurely. I just don't see that price getting driven up by a bidding war. I just, there doesn't seem to be a lot of teams out there. The
3: Cardinals, like, did that whole public thing today. Did you see that? We Tyler Murray, franchise quarterback. To, we are, we are yep. committed to him. So does somebody come out of the mists as a wild card team here?
2: I mean, there's just not that big of a pool. Denver needs a quarterback. I've heard nothing.
1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: Uh, the other thing that just popped up too, how about Marvin Harrison Jr. is not even going to go to the combine? He said the hell with it. I'm the best wide receiver in this draft. I don't need to work out. I'll be in Columbus for pro day. Have fun in Indy. What are your St. Elmo's, drink your uh, cocktails and... Eat, no, your, uh, eat your shrimp, eat with, your shrimp, shrimp with, with the shrimp
3: cocktail sauce.
2: Well, you can get cocktails there, too. I've been. Very nice. Oh. Congratulations. Yeah. Get an old-fashioned. Oh,
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. T-bone?
2: I think I got a fillet last time I was there.
3: Man, feels like a tactical error for you. Got to go ribeye. What if you load up
2: on apps and stuff first?
3: I think you want to go ribeye, though, the best cut of meat, theoretically.
2: What if the ribeye is like 200 bucks? and you don't feel good about spending that much on it? Oh, come on. You've spent $200 on worse. Well, that is true. I know. That's why I said it. But none of them are hookers in case people thought that that's where you were going with that.
3: No, I actually, with you, it could be so many different things that I don't feel like I had to specify. If you're, I actually like the move, by the way, for Harrison. It's a flex, too, because he knows he is the best guy in the draft.
2: Only something to lose, maybe. He gets one of those weird questions. They don't like the way he answers it.
3: I'm going to refrain from saying anything on that front, knowing who his father is. Former Syracuse star and indie star and occasionally a very fearsome person outside. Car wash owner. Yes.
2: Jason is on the fan. Hello, Jason. How you doing, guys? Hey, Hello, Jason.
6: I like to see the steelers at that pick go with the best tackle or the highest guard rated at that position. And the only reason you got I, to say I say a
2: say and Daniels. Yeah, Jason. Explain that one well, for
6: me. Daniels Daniels played center. You can move Daniels over to center. Either the highest graded tackle or guard at that pick, I like. It. Don't you
3: feel like Dan- – okay, so he did play center, Jason. We heard from Chicago people when they signed him a couple years ago and this show. That was his best position. That was his actual best position. And so I'm not going to dismiss the idea, but don't you wonder if you've played guard in his spot for a, a, a long enough time, you start to kind of lose the muscle memory to be a really good center?
2: Well, it's not something he's worked on. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Donnie, like, eventually
3: look up, it just fades away. Look up the
2: last time Daniels played center in a game. I'm sure you could find that on Pro Football Reference or one of those places. David is next. Hello, David. Hi, gentlemen. How are you guys doing today? We're not bad, Dave. I The Steelers messed up
8: so bad by not having the forethought on the quarterback classes. If they don't trade up this year to get a quarterback, next year's class is absolutely horrendous. Correct. So who are we going to pick? Drew, Drew Alar? uh when yours they both suck <laughs> so who's out there for next year nobody
3: right so, I, I agree with you on through that this
8: whole, we're gonna go through this whole season with uh mr trojan hands you have no feeling with gloves on on a football
9: how can you have
3: touch on a football I mean, when you're wearing Big ben gloves? wore a glove at times kurt warner wore gloves they're both in the hall of they're going to be in the hall of fame Peyton manning, of wore Peyton manning wore gloves manning wore gloves
2: but it wasn't all the time. Just Tom when you want to get a break. <laughs> all right, David. Thank you. Man, he was trying hard to make that joke work. Donnie, when's the last time Daniels played center?
3: Twenty nineteen yeah. is what I'm saying. Football Reference does not list him as a uh, center
2: until you go back to twenty nineteen. Are you only putting offensive tackle and center ahead of quarterback as far as Steelers draft needs because you don't like the quarterbacks that would be no, there? At because 20? I,
3: I was playing the game, Jerry. Like played, I was playing of the positions he listed. Okay, but if
2: I allowed for you Quarterback to... Quarterback is their biggest need. Even knowing that the guys you're looking at at 20 are not going to be yeah, if you really, studs. Yeah, and if you really want one, you probably have to trade up a, to a degree that makes you very uncomfortable. How would you feel about that?
3: I would applaud them for taking a huge swing. And, and So if I like, told
2: you it was going to take two first-round picks to trade up for Drake May, would you do that? Yes, I would. Donnie, would you? Yeah, I would do that. Two first-round picks is what
3: it takes to trade up for Drake May. Would you do it? I would. I think he's going to be very
4: good. You made a face there. there was I know. Like something he he happened made that your cre- jaw. I like him, but I, I don't know if I'm doing that. Here's why
3: Donnie made that face. His immediate thought was, Steelers have Drake May. There's the guy. Then Donnie made the face of, oh, crap. They had to give up a King's ransom to get him. I, I would do that
2: deal. I'm... I am Did you ver- see what Terry Hanratty said? I don't know how Terry Hanratty is getting quoted that, on these things. Are you
3: saying they're first this year and then two more beyond this year? Like they're 25 and 26 first as well? Like a well, total I, of three? I, like I, they swap positions? I heard
2: somebody say if you're picking in the middle of the first round, yeah, it's probably going to take your pick and two more. Okay. And if you're picking in the middle of the first round, it would take your pick and three more to get uh, Caleb Williams well, to go all the way up to that. number one. No, if I can
3: guarantee I'm going to get Drake May with this year's first and two more firsts, right? I think that's what I heard. I'd do it because next year we already heard there's not a good one, so that first wouldn't have been used on a quarterback anyway. But then, I'm, In a way, I'm trading, for the purposes of quarterback procurement, Donnie, I'm trading what, two firsts. What total. does
2: the uh, trade value chart say? Just to make sure we, ha- I have the number of picks right here. If you trade the 20th pick to two, like how many – you first want the Jimmy round Johnson pick. chart. How many? Like, let's say just in theory, the Steelers right, are going to pick, pick twentieth thir- for the next. Three yeah, the, here's years. the
3: 2024, 2024 pick that New England has. Right. Yep. 2,200 points. Okay. Yep. The Steelers pick at twenty is 850. So there's a gap of 1,350 points there, right? Um. So it'd be your
4: first, next year's first. And then their second round pick has 390 points. Or so like next year's still not is, enough.
3: Next year's first, let's say though, is going to be less than this year's because they're so always prob- less in So value it probably is inherently. three. It probably is three first I'd round prob- picks, Yeah, then. I'd do that. I would, because there's not anybody in next year's class that anyone thinks is going to be the kind of difference maker these guys are. It would be like saying this in 2021, right? Do you want to move up to have the chance to draft pick? You know, whoever would have been maybe available third in that draft. There's nobody in the 2022 oh, draft. Because that's how I, people looked at the I know, but I'm, I'm
2: thinking about this. The
3: Steelers' only problem is they picked one of
1: those guys. Would I
2: trade 24, 25, and 26 for May, I like May. I don't think I would do it. It's just so much, man. I know
3: it's a ton, but, like, again, in 25, there's almost no way you would have been spending that first-round well, pick on but, anything but, okay, but a but reach. Here's
2: what I'm going to come back to, though. If I think Drake May is some combination of Andrew Luck, Justin Herbert, and Josh Allen... And honestly, I find myself thinking that way about him a lot. Then why would you then ever I say no him? Then guess what? I would do it. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad that you Thank came you. back around. You're welcome. I'm very proud of you. Donnie over here won't even trade two first-round picks. I just talked myself into trading three.
3: Well, he might trade two or three to move up for Jackson Powers Johnson if you need to go five spots. That was cheap, I Donnie. Re- I'm sorry. I really like May, man. Oh, I think he's going to be better than Williams. I've seen, but, I think people are starting to get hip to the idea that Caleb Williams is far it, from a sure thing. Pan
2: Raddy, someone sent me a link. Apparently, he did some interview up in Butler and said he's, that Drake May, I watched him play Pitt a couple of times. He looks like a more mobile Ben.
3: He is more mobile than Roethlisberger. I don't think he's nearly as, like, Ben was a big, not stocky guy, but he was like
2: two, legit 240.
3: May looks like a. Never played
2: over 300, I don't think. Do you?
3: um counting gear like including his actual pads and everything yeah i think he tipped the scales at six five three oh one 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 time okay may's listed at six four two thirty. he looks more like 15 or 20 pounds lighter than ben
8: i got more fire than ever honestly especially over the past two years of what i've gone through whether if it's in denver or somewhere else I, I hope it's in denver i committed there i wanted to be there you know i want to be there for me it's about winning over the next five years i want to win too I want to feel the chill of that trophy again. I want to win more Super Bowls there. I, I love the city and everything else. But, you know, you also want to be a place that, that wants you too.
2: 50-Minute Mark is brought to you by South Hills Chrysler, Dodge, Bram, and Peter celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. Russell Wilson right there talking about two Super Bowls and how he still has the fire to play. So he's not going to retire this offseason. That's been bandied about that he's going to finish up and be done. I was driving to meet you guys yesterday. We met up at the uh, Saris Ice Cream Parlor. Now did it I told you guys that it was electric in there. Did my description of that place did it did it meet that or did I oversell? I don't think you oversold it. I think that Lennox
3: for whatever reason was not as completely enthralled by just the like miles of candy in his, you know, point of view that I as I thought he would be. But how
2: about the old-school ice cream the parlor? The old-school
3: ice cream parlor I loved. Lennox, again, bit off more than he could chew. Ace clearly was in his element, though. I mean, that kid was grunting for candy. He wanted ice cream. <laughs> when you had to leave because you had other stuff to do, Donnie and Sarah and I, you know, and the boys walked around. Donnie, would you agree Ace Muller, just every every five feet I held him, Ugh! Like, he doesn't say anything yet. He just points and grunts if he wants it, and he was going hard. Those big stuffed animals in the candy side, yeah. loving
4: it. I think you should have gotten one of those gigantic, uh, like, chocolate bunnies. Dude, that, I, are like that would, have lasted, bucks.
3: would have lasted at least a How year in house. How big is it? Oh, it's it's several pounds. It's got to be 10 pounds of chocolate. Yeah.
2: 10 but pounds. I mean feet. Like, is it like a three-foot-tall you know, bunny? No, I mean it's
3: something I could have just picked up and held under my arm, and not, like, unwieldy like that.
2: Okay. But no, you – the ice cream was terrific. The vibes were amazing Donnie got something I've, uh, in all my years of eating ice cream I've never seen in my entire life, and Stella wanted to float? eat it. No, I've seen those. It was cookies and cream, but with chocolate ice cream. Never seen that either. How was it, Donnie? Oh, it was good. How did I miss that? I got cookie dough, which was great, but... Yeah, I've never seen it, because it came out, I'm like, why is the brown ice cream here, did like the Oreo mix in to, to the, the vanilla ice cream and, and to turn it turn a different color? Chocolate ice cream. I'll
3: tell you what, Stella, what a what a character she is. Yeah, she was She's reaching for everything.
2: She and didn't Ace. get there when she was sitting on the table, like trying to grab ice cream off of Donnie's cone. I mean she, the situation. She
3: was getting after it. I think she and Ace are wired very similarly. But we
2: uh so I was driving over there with her. Yeah. And I heard uh okay, I gotta get the guy's name right again. Uh oh Brad Spielberger.
3: What were you gonna say this time? Brad Boxberger Brad from a relief. Spielberger
2: picture? say, it's just it's it's obvious that Russell Wilson and the Steelers are a match. It just makes too much sense for both sides. And look, I'm not going to sit here and change my mind because of what one guy said and tell you. I think that Russell Wilson to the Steelers is something that they should explore. But it did click for me in hearing that Wilson's not going to retire and he's going to play football no matter what next year. He wants to feel the chill of that championship yeah. trophy. Very strange way to put it. Here's, here's one person I think that would like the idea of Wilson being here more than anybody else in the Steelers organization. Omar Khan. Because if you are a numbers person and your job is to build the best roster possible and when you're doing that, you get a thrill when it comes to we our valuation of this player is he's a $20 million player. We've got him under contract for five a year. When that's your job, you're a numbers-driven football executive. Mm-hmm. You can have Russell Wilson for $1.1 $1. $1 million. Too much bang for the buck for him to pass up. It's great
3: value. It's just great. It's like finding somebody that's a starter in your draft in the seventh round. Brock Purdy. It's yeah, incredible but value. That's no, why...
2: It holds water. It's just... That's why, from that perspective, if there's somebody inside the Steelers organization who's going to push for Wilson... I could see it being the guy who's ultimately in charge of the entire roster. Do you think that he would be
3: in Forget about Tomlin for a second, what he would think. Do you think that Omar, within his own, <clears throat> his own side of the building, so among the scouts, among Andy, who I always look at as sort of the personnel, true GM, not to diss Omar, do you think Andy and those scouts say omar you're right it's too good of a value or do they look at russell wilson and say "Eh, the numbers were good but we don't know what's really left here so i just wonder if he would run up to a lot of opposition he could point to the stats he could point to what they would have to pay him which is non-existent uh and he would say that's just too good of a bargain i wonder if those people would say "Mm, sorry doesn't work for us to not not the fit you think it is what's it really worth to us if he's cheap if we if he's not really going to work well within this offense like, that's why Purdy's a great deal for any analytic-minded GM. He works perfectly within the structure of their offense. It helps
2: offense. them afford the other star right. players that they accumulated Does Russell Wilson actually work
3: there. in Arthur Smith's system? Like, I love the basic thought process you're trying to go with here, but you have to make—that's the other thing. Chris, do you to... think they don't he... ask those
2: questions about Kenny?
3: No, they should be. They should be asking those questions, and Russell Wilson is better than Kenny because Kenny's never even had a season whether you think Russell Wilson was empty calories last year or not. He's never had a season that even closely resembled that on statistics. But Russell Wilson is also not the guy who would break the pocket in Seattle anymore. He doesn't really want to run that much. No. And in Arthur Smith's offense, you do want to put the guy on the move. To that, for, to that end, by the way, just while we're on the subject, just to change it quickly, Tannehill coming in here, by the way, people have said he might still like be able to beat out Kenny if it comes to that. No, he can't because he can't move. He just knows the offense. You bring in Russell Wilson, you're going to bring him in prob- presumably to start, even if he's on the league minimum, basically, for a veteran. But I just wonder if he can run an offense where the coordinator wants him out the on old, the edges. The only the thing move. Russell
2: Wilson would do is if you still believed in Kenny to some degree and you brought Wilson in here and you sold him on the idea that he's going to be the starter, like the dynamic between the two would be, I mean, Kenny would have to come to the acceptance or realization that he was not going to be their starting quarterback unless Wilson got hurt or faltered and if you still thought there was a chance that Kenny could develop into a starting quarterback, you'd be potentially stunting that growth in the name of Wilson. But if they're already – if you take Dulac at his word, and they're already split on Mason Rudolph, and there's people who think Rudolph is better than Pickett in the building, and they're still, at least from the sounds of things, exploring the possibility of bringing Rudolph back knowing – that it's going to create this friction between the team and between those two guys. Well, then, like, if you if, if you're willing to accept that dynamic for Rudolph, then you should be willing to accept it for Wilson too. What
3: opens the door to you accepting it for virtually any quarterback you could bring in? Because as much as Mason Rudolph but, played three good games, here okay. Or whatever, but the difference, is, but guys. the
2: difference is, if you trade for Fields, you're going to give up a lot. And based on, yeah, you know, if you tr- if you trade a second or third round pick. I would say the odds of them picking up that fifth-year option before the deadline in May is better than it's not. Yes. That's still like $26 million, which is not as much because the salary cap went up a bunch of money. Yep. But it's still a decent-sized commitment. There's no commitment with Wilson. No, it's just here. You're getting paid by somebody else. Come on in. If anything, I think the way that they would make the deal is, here's like, and then next year we'll put in some... You know, we'll come up with a number. Maybe it's like $20 million if you play well. But if you don't, we can cut you and basically get out of the whole thing.
3: And then if you want to keep playing elsewhere, you say no harm, no foul, a wasted year, but so what? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably how they'd do it. I think it is. Because he wouldn't rightfully, if he did come in here and play well, he wouldn't want like, to work for free when, practically when the you and, year. and
2: Bouchette brought this up a couple months ago. Or not, maybe not that long ago, but like a month ago. when y- When you run it through that filter... It's not that far-fetched because Russell Wilson's going to be cheaper than Mason Rudolph. Of all the quarterbacks they could get, I mean, Gardner Minshew, Jacoby Brissett, you name it, Ryan Tannehill, Sam Darnold. I mean, I could keep going. He will be, for next year, the most inexpensive quarterback of them all, and even though I'm not a Russell Wilson guy, he's probably better. He's certainly,
3: all of them. he's certainly more proven than all of them. And he's coming off a year where I mean he still threw the ball. 26 touchdowns is 26 touchdowns. Like I can't ignore it. Man, I wonder I wonder how Sean Payton's viewed around the league. If Russell Wilson having at least good surface numbers is indicative of people thinking, wow, Payton got him back on track after a really bad first year in Denver, or if people actually dislike Payton around the league and think he's just like a, I don't know, kind of a know it all. Annoying guy, and they actually think Russell Wilson's good and getting a raw deal here. In fact, I wonder what Mike Tomlin thinks about that entire dynamic. Because I feel like in the media, there's a decent sized chunk of people who feel like Sean Payton like really did him wrong.
2: I, I agree. I think Tomlin probably likes that Wilson is such like a go getter when it comes to his attitude, and even if it comes across to me as phony and artificial, like he does try to wear like the leadership hat. Do you think Tomlin though would like all way. the
3: the stuff that Payton? said he was getting the hell out of there, which is like all the personal coaches, the hangers on. No, he wouldn't like that at all. The Russell Wilson
2: team around him. Yeah, I don't think he'd be a big fan of any of that. Like, I think he tolerated some of that stuff with Antonio Brown, but the dude was the best wide receiver in football when he had an entourage. Correct.
3: And Russ's entourage, I think, would be a lot more professional, but that in its own way would be almost more annoying.
2: Well, the guy that retired after 40-plus years of uh, covering football has been beating this drum for a while, Peter King. How many times did he come on our airwaves? Recently. And say say this. You know?
8: The attractive thing about Russell Wilson is that you don't have to pay him much. You pay him, I think you can pay him just about the NFL minimum. Because Denver is the team that owes him all his money. It's almost like, you know, a free look at a guy.
2: A free look. And look, Peter King getting just all kinds of. Uh, positive reviews for everything he's meant to the NFL and his great coverage of football at Sports Illustrated and NBC for all these years, and even he had to say this about the Steelers' quarterback situation:
8: Yeah, they can't go to training camp with uh, Pickett, Mason, Rudolph, and a sixth-round pick. I and mean, if that's what they do, I wouldn't have a lot of faith that they were going to uh, that that they were going to be a great team next year. What about Tannehill? I mean, I kinda think that ship has sailed. I don't view that as as such an upgrade that uh you're much better off than you are right now. He just hasn't played well the last
6: couple of years.
2: I, I I'm just the more I think about it, I'm not bracing for it, but I, I'm I'm considering a potential reality where I have to make peace with the idea of Russell Wilson being on the Steelers roster.
3: Here's where it gets weighty, though, for me. I, don't, I wouldn't have to make peace with it. I mean, it'd be interesting. I can't deny that I'm somebody who called for him to be traded to the Steelers a while ago. I think when you were pining for Aaron Rodgers, I decided Russell Wilson was the uh, better option. Neither of us looking particularly good on that front now. Here's the weird part about this. Say you do get him this year for league minimum, and say he does play well, like it's objective. He, they're good. They're 11 and six and he looks good. Like he found a bit of a fountain of youth. He just fits in the offense, right? No one's complaining about the corny stuff. Everyone's like, hey, this guy's playing well. He's going to be 36 after this season. Like, what do you actually do realistically after that? Do you want him to be like a 36, 37, maybe even 38 year old bridge quarterback? He takes care of himself. We know that. Mm-hmm. How long do you want to play the Russell Wilson game? If you actually think he, the team looks good enough to win something with him or to make like a real push how long are you willing to play that game? That becomes I'd still, dicey. I'd
2: still want it to be year to year, but I'm guessing he but would he have enough leverage to keep that from happening. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So
3: how, are you willing to, okay, just quickly here to put a, a number on it so people, we're not talking about this in completely hypothetical terms. Say he said, I played pretty well. I was like one of the 12 best quarterbacks in the league. I want to do a deal three years, $95 million. So it'll keep me here for age 36, 37, 38. And I'm a free agent again, or we talk again when I'm about to turn 39. That is the absolute most I would even think about doing, and I would feel pretty. And all that's pretty, guaranteed money. More or less, I would feel bad about that. Even with I don't the think I'd want. Up. I
2: don't think I'd want to do that.
3: But I, here, here we go back to the Drake May thing we just talked about. Would you trade three firsts for him? And eventually, you came around to the point, yes, you would. And it's not the same because he's Russell Wilson and he's getting older. But if I had finally seen good quarterback play after being in the desert for a couple of years, it feels so ridiculous to me to say I wouldn't take a $30 million a year passer when that's a relative bargain if he's playing well. Like, I just feel like I'm an idiot even saying it out loud that I, oh, you know what, too rich for my blood, really? By then the cap's going to be, what, $285, 290000000 million? If he asked you for 30000000 million, he'd be probably doing you a favor
2: if he was playing good football. It's just locking in those three years I know, with him, though.
3: And it's locking in a weird stopgap that you wouldn't feel is reliable. Even if he played well for two straight years,
4: you'd wonder if the other shoe was going to drop. Donnie
2: Russell Wilson says, I've got two more Super Bowls in me. What do you think?
4: I, I did a segment on this yesterday morning. I, I I see him, if he's willing to play for that cheap, he's like the the, the the thing that you go into, I don't know, you can name like any thrift store out there that you like w- waltzing into. Uh, me, of course, I love being that type of shopper, walks in something that, eh, maybe, maybe a hair out of style, something you wouldn't have paid full price for, but something that you you liked, you didn't love, but now it's on the rack for 75% off or 90, 90% off. Now I love it. Now I'm taking that thing home. And now it's mine. It's the, the, the $2 bin movie. Yeah, like, I don't want
3: to pay full freight for the movie predator but if suddenly the big box store has predator yeah, true there lies commando for eight dollars i might have made this exact see this before. reminds
2: me to use to go with one of donnie's analogy this gets me back to coupons coupons force you to buy things that you don't really need uh-huh. but you do it because you feel like you're getting a, you getting a good deal on it you are getting a good deal on russell wilson but i don't think he really solves their problem because i don't think he's really that he good just anymore. pushes
6: if
3: he plays well i'm not saying like elite if he plays pretty well All he does is give you better than you've gotten so far, post Ben, and pushes that, kicks that can, or pushes that ball down the road another couple of years. You you're right. If you're looking for the ten to fifteen year solution to your problem, you definitely haven't found it. Are you going to draft somebody who you want to be like a two to three year understudy? It
2: puts Kenny on the bench. It It makes.
3: I think it makes Kenny probably a done done issue here. If you have in my hypothetical, if Russell Wilson lasts more than a year. Are you drafting? Just to use his name, we use it every time. It's a running gag. Spencer Rattler and having him sit for two years and then hoping after the second year, but
2: Chris even Wilson's if, gone and he's your guy. Even if Russell Wilson is the starter here and just is mediocre, then what happens with Kenny? He goes into the fourth year. He's still on your team. He's a former first round pick. You were willing to bench him for how I, you couldn't possibly say you're going back to
3: him with confidence. It would be like the, remember when they even signed, less
2: confidence now. Do than you remember
3: now? when the Jets signed? Rogers there was talk there that eventually it was supposed to they would say it's supposed to be Zach Wilson's job eventually again yeah nobody with a brain believed that that's how people would hear the Steelers talk about Pickett and feel
2: so it sounds like you're kind of into this Donnie is that fair at the million dollars
4: yeah I mean you get the guy that cheap I don't see why you don't look into it I know he's weird I know he has the the odd pregame uh rituals but where he
2: pretends to play a game against like ghost players
4: yeah, I mean, but that for the most including part including ghost
2: like, dapping. Yeah, that <laughs> makes that, a good play. That for
4: the most part is like the worst thing people can say about him. If he if he was the Steelers quarterback last year with those numbers, what's that team looking like? I think they win an extra game. I think at least an over over three to one touchdown interception ratio. It was a weird season though because seeing wa- twenty six yeah. touchdown passes from a Steelers I quarterback now. I know it's only been a few years. It's an entire since, rookie contract since, for Pickett. Yeah, since old number seven called it quits, but I mean, that would have me fainting.
2: Well, let's see what our listeners think. Russell Wilson went on Brandon Marshall's podcast and said, I've got two more Super Bowls in me. He's willing to play, he said, for the league minimum, a million dollars. Do you want him? 412 928 9370. If the Steelers signed him at that price. All right. Russell Wilson said he may be willing to sign for the NFL minimum if the Broncos cut him. That's the feeling around the NFL. He's hungry to play. That's what he told Brandon Marshall. And he wants the Broncos to pick up the freight. It's a $37 million fully guaranteed, or $39 million. $39 million and... If the Steelers were to sign him, they'd pay $1.2 million, and the uh, Broncos would pl- would pay the remaining $37.9 million. So that's why, or $37.8 30, yeah, million, excuse me.
3: Let me go with this as another open question to both of you very quickly. Let's say I'm not going to act and pretend like you get the best version of Russell Wilson here. I hate doing hypotheticals where you have to say, best he's ever been. But if you get a reasonable expectation, Russell Wilson, so a guy who who's a who's a top half quarterback in the league, right? How far could that take the Steelers? He's the 14th best quarterback
2: in the NFL. I think in that scenario they could win a playoff game.
3: But they're still their big problem here, and one of the things I'm hung up on a little bit with this. Although again, I'd rather have the chance or feel like I have the chance in the AFC. 14th best quarterback in the NFL might mean you're still like ninth or tenth in the conference. You know
2: what though? As I as I think about that some more. Maybe I'd want to give them a chance to contend with anybody sneak except Kansas City.
3: So basically sneak up on the – I mean, he beat the Bills. Granted, they needed some uh, end-of-the-game hijinks for it to happen, but
2: – I'm thinking about Cincinnati who tagged Higgins and getting those three guys back together, Higgins, Chase, and Burrow for another year. So I wouldn't feel good about going them, going there and beating them in the playoff game. What
3: about Houston, a, a should-be-even-better Houston team when they shore up more of the roster with Stroud? If you're
2: saying I get, like – the best of Russell Wilson. I think they could be in contention with that tier down from Kansas City in the AFC. I'm saying you get the Russell Wilson other than the
3: last year in Seattle and the first year in Denver where I thought he started to tail off a bit. Here is Maddie on the
2: fan. Hello, Maddie.
6: Gentlemen, thank you for taking my call. Always bet, a pleasure.
2: What's, What's up, up Maddie? Hey. What do you got?
6: Um, kind of looking at our <laughs> – we have plenty of needs on the offensive side of the ball for sure, uh, including O-line and obviously our QB situation, but kind of looking – our defense at brass tack value right now. If we expect to win a playoff game with the inside linebacking core we got, you know, we're in bad shape, fellas. You know, Cole Holcomb is a
3: If that inside, If that, that inside backer crew, though, was actually healthy and it was, let's say it was just Holcomb, Roberts, and Quan Alexander, Maddie, yeah. I would have felt completely fine going into any playoff game with those guys. I'm dead serious because I think that's the least important position on the defense in most cases, unless you have a Fred Warner. And I'm not in the I'm not inclined to say you should go looking for one. I was looking pony at the all pros this year in the NFL at that position, either off ball linebacker in a four three or like a Fred whatever, Fred Warner types. And the majority of them non first round picks, a lot of seconds and thirds out there. Shane is next. Hello,
2: Shane.
8: Hey, how are you? Hey, um, I was calling. My my opinion about the draft this year would be, um, I personally would like a cornerback. I just think if we can shut down that back end, it's going to make H- Highsmith and Watt and Hayward look that much more uh, intense. If you want to say with that pass rush, and I think we'd get more turnovers. I think later in the draft, though, I'd like to see third or fourth round pick be traded to Detroit to try to get Henn and Hooker. I mean, he used to be a Heisman finalist before he tore his ACL. He had 55 touchdowns and like six interceptions in two years. What would your reaction just, be
2: if you found out they signed Russell Wilson to a $1 million deal?
8: I think, I think it would be, I'd like it um, just because of his physical play that he can do run and run and pass. And he is an older, mature leader, but, I think quarterback competition-wise, I'd rather just go younger and just kind of fight through it.
2: Okay. Do you like Mason Rudolph as an idea more than you like uh, Wilson, Chris?
3: Ooh, that's a good question.
2: Whoa. Does Rudolph have enough upside where you'd rather pay him two years, $12 million, than get Wilson for a year at $1 million?
3: Gun to my head, I have to say no, because I've been pretty consistent in saying that as much as I enjoyed watching Rudolph actually produce because it was just something different, I didn't think he was the answer. So I can't go back on that now and say, yeah, you know what, I'd rather I'd rather roll the dice. How about you, Donnie? Wilson or Rudolph? Wilson. Yeah, I, I have to say Wilson. Especially since he's even cheaper in this one-year hypothetical than Rudolph's going to be.
2: I don't think either ultimately works, so I would probably take the cheaper guy. I don't feel great about saying that, though.
3: Well, what what I can't get out of my brain, who were you saying this about last week? There's something you couldn't get out of your head. Oh, no, Drake May, the stuff about him earlier in the show, you can't get it out of your head or whatever. I can't get out of my head watching Rudolph having been—have should have been ice cold by all accounts coming into that game that he was starting. Just looked like he had been playing week in and week out for
2: the last couple of years. Here's Anthony next in Oakland, our guy. Hello, Anthony.
1: Anthony?
5: I'm different than you. Uh, Yeah, I'm here.
2: What's up?
7: The problems with Kenny Pickett, to me, is more offensive coordinator than they were Kenny Pickett himself. He, uh, the coordinator exudes any confidence in the whole team, and I think Kenny will be better with Arthur Smith as a new quarterback's coach because he has attributes that we like. Interceptions, and he showed good fourth-quarter ability to come back. But at the end nice of the year, Anthony, you would
2: president. switch to Mason Rudolph, so I'm surprised to hear you go back to Kenny now
6: think Kitty would ever progress as long as Canada was there,
2: but at the end of the year, Canada Rudolph wasn't was, there, and you liked Rudolph more. You well, thought they were making well, the right well, call playing Rudolph over Pickett.
7: Thing at that point, point, I didn't want to throw a monkey wrench in, but I'm I'm more confident in Pickett. Here's what I do want them to do: from the free agent pool and take from your division opponents. I want Patrick Queen.
2: And now we've gotten thanks, Anthony. Now we've gotten two calls in the last five minutes of people going back to the. Uh, Inside linebacker is an important position well. And I'm much closer to you on this, Chris, than I am what some of our listeners so are like. So
3: Patrick Queen was the 28th pick in his draft. Roquan Smith was the 8th pick in a draft. And they paid Roquan Smith like $20 million a year. Okay? Ultimately, where did that get the Ravens with their MVP Well, they had the number
2: one defense in the league this year. And against Patrick Mahomes
3: in Kansas City?
2: I think they ran 90 plays on offense, Kansas City, in that game. Follow us on Twitter, brought to you by South Hills, Kia, and Peters Township. I don't know what was going on with Anthony's phone there. You know what it sounded like? The noise, like I kept hearing that noise when I would take the the Nintendo Duck Hunt gun and hit it against the TV. Like I would actually put the gun against the TV and cheat when I was like five years old or six years old to win Duck Hunt.
3: You know, that stupid dog in that game was a real SOB, the one who'd get but, up there and laugh at you. But the
2: noise an old-school TV screen would make if you— Like
3: bing, bing, bing that old C- yeah. or the cathode ray or whatever, yeah. I just can't—now I, I got that dog popping up behind the head. Just... Yeah, I wasn't a fan
2: of him either. Donnie's Dog Pick is brought to you by Farmer's Dog. Fresh human-grade dog food delivered right to your door. It's time for the Donnie Football Debrief.
4: The Debrief, February 26, 2024. Uh, This morning, although I think he released it like right around midnight, uh, Peter King announcing his retirement. So that begs the question, which you guys will have a much better answer to, is he the best football writer of all time? And if not...
3: Who is? Ooh, boy. Um, There's a part of me that's tempted to go back and say, because it's more formative years for me, Paul Zimmerman, Dr. Z, the late Dr. Z at Sports Illustrated, who was their main guy for a very long time, and who I thought was a more interesting, stylistic writer than Peter King, who's... Whose work is incredibly comprehensive, but like at 10,000 words plus is just like blunt force on a Monday morning. Like he's just, he's empty in the notebook, which was literally what his editor told him to do. I like Dr. Z's writing a lot better. But as far as being an essential piece of business in our field, if you're going to talk football, you basically had to read Peter King to be plugged in. I guess I would say him. He, he's got. I, I think I have to put him at one, and I'd probably put Paul Zimmerman number two.
2: I never really got into Zimmerman.
3: Really? No. I would have thought you really liked him because he wrote with like the the like a, a novelist's flair. I thought I was he, always a
2: King guy. Well, I thought they were always trying Thrill to serve and through. two
3: different audiences. Like Peter was always doing nuts a lot of nuts and bolts, and he he started to lose his personality. And in. But yeah, but Paul Zimmerman had meat and potatoes,
2: but he just wrote it with a flourish. I would have thought you would have appreciated that. I would say that uh, that was probably that Monday morning quarterback column the first time in my entire life in my late teens, early 20s, where I wanted to read something Monday morning to get my football day started before anything else. For those like for for probably from like the age of 16 through 25, that window in my life. Well, what what is unique about it and what I have a ton of respect for, obviously,
3: Peter King's career, I have a ton of respect for staying on top of the game for that long. And he said in his column today that he just realized he had stopped caring about some parts of it, which is just wild to me that it took that much time for him to just feel like certain parts of that this scares war- me. I, I read
2: that, too, and it freaked me out. What In what way, quickly? Because I don't want to be 60 years old or 65 years old and, like, the combine or the draft or these things, and I'm like, well, I got to talk about this crap? I really do not give a rat's ass. Oh, wait, you don't feel that way about stuff already? I absolutely feel that way about certain things.
3: Yeah? That's what scared me. Like, am I in the wrong line of work? I love talking about the games. I love talking about the juicy stories. I love chewing the fat with you about, about you know anything that's whatever. But the idea of actually getting myself to give a crap about the Combine? No, man. If something funny happens, like a big, you know, heavyset guy's running the 40 and he tumbles and it's just a funny visual, I'll maybe want to bring that up, but the vagaries of the sport already annoy me. Like, the idea that sometimes we've got to get way deep in the mud and talk about stuff that is in- objectively just very boring. <laughs> anyway, uh, where was I? Um... No, I, I just read him, you know, saying that about his career, and I was astonished that he had kept the fire burning uh, for that long. But what I was saying is what I really respected. Have you ever written anything on deadline? I don't mean that to sound like, ha, ha, ha. Only a few things, not a lot. Okay, I've ri- I've occasionally been asked to do, like, a column on, on a deadline, and even then, not on close to, like, what Starkey's had to deal with. Mm-hmm. Peter King, every week, 16, 17, 18 weeks a year, would churn out during the season a fully realized and fully synthesized column of literally 10,000 words that would be submitted by like four in the morning on Monday morning, that level of ability to work quickly, and he's working all day basically to write it, and he's putting stuff together from the whole week, and to have it even be semi-coherent just astonished me. Whether I thought like in a given week one was better than the other, the idea that just that much stuff was in his brain ready to spill out that many
2: times a year about functionally the same subject I found to be fascinating. He mentioned the Steelers twice in his farewell column. Did you see it, Donnie? Only two guys got shout outs. So he's covered football for more than 40 years. He's given Heinz Ward all kinds of uh, praise as a, as a real Hall of Fame uh, wide receiver who gets short shrift from the other voters.
4: Yep. I think I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know who the other one was. Wasn't it Batch?
2: So he didn't even mention Ward. I'm just referencing that. He mentioned Batch. He laid out 10 quarterbacks who he loved talking to Uh and being around, and Batch was included with Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, what a cool – if I'm Charlie, that would be just an awesome moment that I get – he thinks enough of me as a person and as an interesting interview subject that I get included with these guys – who are hall of famers and all-time greats and then hayward just gave them a tip of the cap for all the humanitarian work and just being overall affable pretty cool down-to-earth easy to talk to nfl player
3: he uh i just even this column i gotta be honest i was i didn't have the time to get through the whole thing yet it's just staggering the amount he writes I mean, you, you read much quicker than I do, so I don't know how long it takes I read you to...
2: 57 books in 2023.
3: Alex might actually be on pace to beat you. Do you want me to text her and ask her how many she's knocked off in 24? Yeah. Because I think she might be pacing to beat you. She's talking to me about having to read a book concurrently with another book. You're supposed to, like, toggle them and read them at the same time. And I just, I, sounds like the dumbest thing ever to me. But, like, this, his column, the only problem I had with it was Pony. I'm a deliberate reader now for context to make sure I've got everything. It would take an hour to read it because of how many jumps to different subjects. And then when you get into coffee nerdness and 10 things I think, I think, <laughs> by the end of it, I was exhausted. It I, was would must, call, I, I would not. The coffee stuff and the stuff. beer
2: stuff would not. But all, there might be a nugget bari- fancy, The haiku at the end, whatever. I skipped But you know what?
3: That. When I was working like solo, maybe, there would always be little nuggets in there. And I'd wonder, is Peter King going to bury something that I could use on the
2: show? fine-toothed comb stuff Uh, other football media news Ryan Clark getting a contract extension from ESPN I saw the number at around 2 million I
3: hope it's more and
2: I thought those guys made a lot more money than that well I hope Ryan
3: got I hope 2 million a year represented a very large raise for Ryan I hope well no I hope he actually is getting a lot more than two I hope the report is wrong but if he did get two I hope he was getting a very big raise then to get him to two, and I'm mad that he wasn't making two. I think he or Lofsky, I do think Mina Kimes is terrific. I think those three, you tell me you can pick three analysts who are going to talk about the sport, and I can only watch those three? I honestly would pick them.
2: Because you've got Ryan making two, which is still, I mean, great money to talk about sports and analyze football. Brady's contract is, what, $37 million a year? Romo, who probably does... No work. One-tenth the amount of work Ryan does.
3: I don't think Tony— He's
2: 18 million.
4: I don't
3: think Tony does work because Tony
4: doesn't even know who the players are sometimes. Yeah, I think one-tenth is actually kind of a slap to Ryan. Yeah,
2: true. Like in the AFC uh, playoff—like in the Steelers-Bills playoff game when he brought up the— uh, J- Oh, no, what was it the—yeah, it was the playoff game where was like, you know, this Jalen Warren, I haven't really seen the Steelers at yeah. all this year.
4: Just embarrassing stuff that you'd bring up. Yeah, and, na- and I Nance is was was okay. was sitting there thinking, like, Tony, that to they pretty much run like a— to running back yeah. system. All I was season. surprised
2: to find out that he was one of their top running backs. This year. I have a lot of respect for the
3: for the for this fact about Ryan too. Um, a lot of those guys who do the job are plenty motivated to do it well and stay in their lane as like an analyst. I think the fact that he stepped way out of his comfort zone to do that CW inside the NFL as the lead host, not many guys do that. Strahan moved into that as like an actual guy who runs the show. Pony, I think it's it's a different animal. I mean, you and I have both led talk shows. It's even different than sitting in the chair I'm in. I respect that Ryan has continually tried to challenge himself in the business. I think
2: he's the second best Steeler player to go into sports casting. Terry. I think number one's Bradshaw because he obviously has done it at the highest level for a very, very long time. And then I think it's Ryan. Uh, Lin Swan did sideline reporting, but he was kind of just a very... He was just there. Bland, He's better than Eric neutral, Dickerson, though
3: remember what a disaster that was to throw dickerson on the side i mean mark
2: malone did everything from hosting to analyzing to sidelines like he what was very versatile but- and oh, good no, this but- guy wasn't a stealer former pit player your buddy mark may yeah never pl- uh-huh. he- yes <laughs> mark may who i've exchanged texts with or at least i did in the past about coming on the show and was like offended that we wanted to have him on it was very bizarre
3: I'm trying to think who else is... That. Max Starks, I mean, I think is good. He's really good, media, too. And I think Max will continue to be really good. I just... I, Ryan does the work, man. I respect it. He does the work. He watches the film. Uh, he, he doesn't say it in a way... He doesn't present it in a way that's like, I played, you didn't, and this is why you have to listen to me. I think it's, it's presented for the casual audience in a really good way. I just... I respect him a lot for it. I'm
2: going to put Hodge below Clark just because of all those years he did the NFL matchup show, and I just thought he was tremendous on there
3: well that's the that's the show for the true fan you like that's for the nerds like me and you
2: 50 minute mark on the fan brought to you by south hills chrysler Dodge, Jeep Ram and peters celebrating 50 years in the south hills nfl scouting combine is underway players have arrived they're getting interviewed they're taking tests like the Wonderlick test and uh the getting S2 weighed test. and everything else yep Getting asked weird questions. What was the one?
3: I saw in Peter King's column, he actually, it was, uh, do you enjoy beating animals? And it was about how Joey Harrington mused about whether or not if you're a linebacker, you should say yes. That was the New York Giants, one of their 480 personality test questions. If the answer to that is yes, are there guys in that in that like organization who go like, this guy's a go-getter, he will beat up a squirrel? Or he will take a puppy and punt it. Or he, he loves to abuse. I'm thinking he's the next Aaron Hernandez if he answers that right. question. Yes. Isn't I don't want the that answer guy on a my very team? swift but I, yeah, the answer for any sane person is no, but don't you think there's some meathead in that front office going, Yeah, he'll, if I accidentally he'll run over step on my dog's
2: tail, I like freak right, out and when feel I, bad.
3: Exactly. When I make when
2: I yell at Larry when he does something bad and he pees a little bit in the house, I, I get mad at myself. All right, so Scouting Combine is gonna get cooking here. And the question we've been asking today is, what is the Steelers' top draft need? 412-928-9370. Daniel Jeremiah, who is the new Mike Mayock for NFL Network. He's the new top analyst for the Combine. This is now his thing, his baby. He put out his top 50 NFL draft prospects today. His pre-Combine list. Caleb Williams, number one overall prospect. Marvin Harrison Jr., second, who's not even going to attend the combine. And by the way, Williams isn't going to throw there either. Uh, Roma Dunze from Washington, their star wide receiver, is third. Malik Neighbors, wide receiver, LSU, he is fourth. And then five and six, he has Drake May and Jaden Daniels. Don't forget Brock Bowers at seven, who
3: looks like... uh... Somebody said he would look like your average trainer at Planet Fitness, but he'll test We well.
2: saw him at the videos of him at the uh, Super Bowl Media Day uh, Radio Row, and I'm like, that's not going to be a great NFL tight end. Do you know what those pictures... He's built kind of like me. Do you know what those pictures reminded me of? Uh, seating hairline already, too. Him next to
3: Gronk, and Gronk's towering over him. You guys remember the Derrick Henry standing next to Mark Ingram
2: pictures? Yeah. That's what it reminded me of, dude. It messed me up. Or like that one thing where it's like a... It's like a mouse is holding like a big animal's hand and they're walking together. You know the one I'm talking about?
3: What's the, uh, what's the Doge meme, Donnie, where it's like the little whimpering dog and then the strong puffed yeah. chest dog? That's, yeah, that's he looked like the whimpering it's another dog. another good one.
2: Very weird. Um, So as far as the Steelers are concerned, because I actually don't think they'll trade up for May or Daniels. Of course, they're not going to do that, even though for May, I would endorse it. Positions of need. Dulac listed five positions that he'd think they'd take in the first round. Inside linebacker, offensive tackle, center, cornerback, and safety. So I'm just going to go through some of these names here. Uh, Joe Alt, ninth prospect, Notre Dame offensive tackle, left tackle. His dad was an NFL player. There's no way he's there at 20, so skim past him.
3: And then you'd be automatically saying, I guess, Roger Jones is your right tackle now. Because Alt's more of a pure left and Higher pedigree guy.
2: So you've got Fuaga from Oregon State offensive tackle. Jeremiah ranks him tenth. He has Fashanu from Penn State, who last year it was like fifth. Is now in is now twelfth. It
3: seems like Fashanu uh did not count on a bunch of like guys
2: really improving their stock this year. JC Latham from Alabama offensive tackle, thirteenth. There's a lot of offensive tackles here in the top twenty. Fautanu from Washington. So there's another Big Polynesian man tackle ranked seventeenth. Guyton, Oklahoma offensive tackle, eighteenth. Your boy Mims offensive tackle 19 Mm-hmm. So let's leave all out because he's looked, he's looked at as a top ten prospect. So after that, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six. Six offensive tackles rated between ten and twenty. Now you just made a you just brought up something that I hadn't really thought about. If you drafted one of those guys, why not just leave Jones at right tackle? Well, not one of the it,
3: not like an Amarius Mims because he only plays right okay, tackle. Okay, so
2: Mims would be one where he's a right tackle, but Fashanu played Fushanu, left tackle at Penn State.
3: Fashanu's a better prospect, apparently, than than Jones
4: was, but not by much. Fuaga's
2: a right tackle. So he would move there. Yeah. yeah,
4: there are like three right tackles. Pure right. Guyton is also a right tackle. The only guys actually,
2: that, you know what? Now that I think about it, they're almost all right. They're almost all right tackles. Latham's a right tackle from yeah, Alabama, the only too. guys so actually, that- <laughs> this works out perfectly for the Steelers. Right.
3: The only guys I would have ever considered saying you leave Jones at right tackle and, and ask him to be a great team player are Alt, who won't be there, and Fashanu, who won't be there. I got
2: to be honest. I'm surprised how many right tackles are so high in the rankings. What do you
3: think that's a consequence of? Because it's interesting to me, too. Like, I can't decide. Do you think that leagues have just put a premium? Well, here, I have two thoughts. It's not like there's more left-handed quarterbacks. I put, put, put it on two things. One, there is a dearth, like I have said already in this show, of good old line play. Guys like Cabali, and he's not the only one, so I'm not going to give Mark a hard time. A lot of people that watch a lot of football and crunch a lot of tape say the the overall line play is just not that good. So if you feel like there are guys who are going to overcome that and be really good, there's going to be a premium whether they play the right or the left side. Here's another thought. I know the running game is not as important as it used to be or ever and is never going to be that way again. I do get the sense, though, that the running game is taking on renewed importance in certain ways. And so I think right tackles have seen
2: their value tick up a little bit. I do. Because of the run game. Just, well, because okay. a
3: lot of them are thought of as really good run blockers, and I think the way a lot of elite offenses now are functioning, where they're not just completely ignoring the run game, yeah, it, it helps that position a little
2: bit. So if you go by Jeremiah's rankings, you've got four right tackles who if the Steelers pick them at 20, it would not be a reach. Mm-hmm. It'd actually be a good pick. Fuaga from Oregon State. Latham from Alabama, that's two. Uh, Guyton from Oklahoma, three. Mims from Georgia, four. That's four right tackles in his top 20.
3: Uh, From last year, uh, where was Alt ranked in this one? Eighth? Ninth. Ninth. So last year in the span of six through 20, just to use the cutoff, the first O-lineman, Paris Johnson, you had four guys playing tackle go
2: between uh, six and 20 last year. 21 on this list, Edgar and Cooper, inside linebacker, Texas A&M. Overall, Cooper is an instinctive and explosive prospect who generates a bunch of splash plays. He's ready to start right away, and I believe his best football is still ahead of him. So help me God if the Steelers take him with the 20th pick.
3: I'm just, how many times do I have to say it on the air? Because like apparently me saying it earlier in the show, boys, Donnie, this didn't take with our listeners. Inside off-ball linebacker is fast becoming the running back of the defense. But Jeremiah what knows do we,
2: that, so why does he have I don't know. Cooper he must ranked love so high then?
3: If you have a guy like that ranked high and you're not dumb and you're Daniel Jeremiah and you really know this stuff, you uh, you have to think that the player can be essentially Fred Warner at this level. Not only can be, but is like, is likelier than not to be Fred Warner. I mean, Roquan Smith had a great
2: year, but Fred Warner's the prototype. You have to think that's the guy you're getting. He's here. got an inside linebacker ranked higher than uh, the center's in this draft um am I crazy
3: here is it actually edgarin and not edgerin you said edgarin cooper and i was like is his name not edgerin cooper like Edgerrin james that just has stuck with me now for a minute e-d-g-e-r-r-i-n y- you would say edgarin Ed- edgerin okay yeah i was i'm sorry donnie i couldn't edgerin get past cooper. that yeah I was like, who is this guy? No, I if you rank him that highly, you must think he can be a, he's going to be a perennial All-Pro, likelier than not. I just once bitten twice shy. Twice bitten, what is twice bitten now? I mean, I know that in Shazier's case it was a career and neither one of thems worked out the way you wanted to. You're going to keep chasing that. You said this to me off the air and I agree with you and I'm going to bring it up. That reeks of a Mike Tomlin would really love Edgerin Cooper.
2: Yeah, because he's got it in his head as a defensive coach that he wants someone to control and police the middle of the yes. field, wear the green dot defensively, be an extension of the staff. Run with tight end weapons, you know, all He's that stuff. probably still having like, erotic dreams about Derek Brooks in Tampa Bay when he coached him there. He didn't and, even
3: play the middle, I think. He was a weak side guy.
2: But, you know, in a yeah, 4-3 well, yeah, he inside was, linebacker. He,
3: he ran the show. He, I'm sure he probably thinks, if you give me Edger and Cooper and he's healthy – He's the Josh Allen antidote. He's the Mahomes antidote. He's the antidote to any great tight He's got tight, tight ends end. locked
2: down, exactly.
3: Like, that's what Jeremiah writes is, like, the guy's good enough in man coverage to run with any tight end and carry any tight end down the field. Okay, fine. I don't care. I don't want that guy. In fact, I don't care if another team gets him and he's really good. I don't want the Steelers spending a first-round pick
2: again I'm on st- that position. I'm still flipping here. So, he's got Bonex, 26, McCarthy, 27. Does not have Penix as a first-round graded corner. uh, quarterback. Jackson Powers Johnson, the Oregon center, he is at 29. Zach Frazier from West Virginia, 32. And then he has another center, Graham Barton. This guy's interesting. So he played tackle at Duke the last few years. Yeah. But he started as a center his freshman year. And they think because of his size, he's going to switch back and be a natural center. That scares the hell out of me. Uh, By the way, Kendrick Green... Flashbacks there.
3: As just a note, Cooper DeJean, Jeremiah, he reminds me of a bigger Eric Weddle coming out of college. That he reminds, reminds all, me of another white guy. That's all we could do here. <laughs> he reminds me of an Eric Weddle
2: with a dash of Harrison Smith mixed in and a little bit of the Troy Epke athleticism that had
4: De- Deion, Deion Sanders Sankey.
2: floored that a white Sur- man could run i surprised we best. didn't
4: get any Jason Seahorn mention. I Is that too obvious? Like, what else is it? Yeah. How funny would that be? Comparisons: Jason Seahorn, Eric Weddle, Jim Leonard, Dustin Fox. <laughs>
2: Hey, the way that he puts it out there with these uh, offensive linemen or the center rankings, it almost feels to me like this is how Jeremiah looks at it. It would be too much of a reach to draft the center at 20, and all the best center prospects are going to be gone by the, by the time they pick in the second round.
3: Yeah, he's got them in a little bit of a quandary,
2: which makes you think they're going to have to... 20's a bad spot to take one of these guys, and by the time you come back up at 51... Trade back
3: in the first round? but you can't do that if one of the tackles you really like or even a corners, I think, that you like is
2: on the board, right? The corner is something that I want them to address in free agency, but the elephant in the room there is Peterson, and Kabali came on with us Friday and pretty much said there's no way he's getting cut. He's on the team. So you're paying him $9 million to do He's not a safety. We watched him struggle at that position at the end of the year.
3: So what, what are you putting your, your stock in if you're the Steelers? Corey Trice coming off of a major knee injury?
2: No, you can't. He was right. a seven, he was a seventh round it, pick, Chris. That's,
3: I'm, I'm asking that rhetorically, primarily. But if you're them, what? Where else is the plan here?
2: You find like a medium priced free agent in you find you find like a mid mark, a mid tier guy, like you did with Stephen Nelson back in the day, or Levi Wallace, and that's your outside corner, and Peterson plays slot.
3: Man, I just. I thought Steven Nelson when he was here was okay. I don't obviously Levi Wallace had a tough time last year. So I, with them, I feel like they need to take a blue chipper in the draft or take a guy who's, who was a blue chipper, like a Hayden, when they go and pick somebody up like that, that falls into their lap.
4: I don't think the guy listed at number 22 is uh is a bad option either. I don't, I don't think it would be their, their first need by any means.
2: Byron Murphy, defensive tackle from Texas. Uh, that's where Jeremiah, that you're talking about the Jeremiah list, right? Yeah. Dulak doesn't have defensive tackle or defensive line uh, as a first round uh, position for the Steelers because of all the money they already have invested in it. And he's right about that. Between Hayward and Ogan Joby, and then Benton had such a big year last year, there's not a spot. You know, Hayward will be back, and they'll, they'll find a way to make it work. They're not cutting Ogan Joby. And they're playing Benton a lot. So if you draft the defensive lineman, my opinion, if you draft Byron Murphy, you're drafting him for 2025 and beyond. It's not a total redshirt year. He's going to get snaps. So he'll get worked into the rotation. But you're if you do that, you're almost, I think, and this is why Jerry left defensive line out, you're drafting somebody in 2024 to be a backup. Corner, yeah. you're drafting somebody in the first round. Start. Guy will start. Center, Tackle. guy will start. Tackle. Tackle. Ho- well,
3: hopefully. If it's Mims, he won't start till halfway through the season, even though it might be obvious to everyone with eyes. And I don't even player. think it's a
2: situation where, like, okay, Porter and Jones are really starters, but, he, but they were made to wait. I think if they drafted a defensive lineman, the guy would need Hayward to get hurt again or something like that to get First-round starter snaps by the middle or back half of the season. If Hayward's
3: somehow fully healthy and, like, there's really no rust, though, I wouldn't have as much of a problem because I think a healthy Hayward is still a big-time impact player. You guys see number 42 on this list. Really could fit with the Steelers.
2: Undersized receiver. Great speed, though. A lot of polish. Lad McConkey. Lad McConkey isn't the only uh, white receiver that made the top 50. The guy from Florida uh, sneaked in here, too, under the gun. 48, Ricky Ricky Pearsall. Pearsall.
4: My guy Malachi Corley is way up there at 44. I actually like the guy at 50 in the second round,
2: Roman Wilson from Michigan.
4: Uh, you guys
3: know the the one other dude from uh, LSU, Brian Thomas, the non-Malik neighbors yeah, guy, big like guy. 6'4". Like six, four. dude. He's he's rated very highly in this, but he's interesting. Where's the guy from
2: Florida State who didn't play 36. against Pitt, Keon not, Coleman?
3: No, or oh, the other guy, not
2: the Michigan State transfer. Wait, which one went to Michigan State, and which one is the guy that's like six eight? Keon, is his
3: name like Johnny Wilson Johnny or something Wilson. Real Keon Coleman from Florida State is 36th on this list. Yeah, he's he's a Michigan State transfer.
2: Yeah, where's is is the 6'8 no.
3: guy not listed? No, I don't see uh I don't see that guy. Roman Wilson from Michigan number. That's yeah, who number Donnie 50. just yep. mentioned. Yep. Uh I will give uh Jeremiah credit. He couldn't think of a uh a non white guy comp for Cooper DeJean, but he did give Ladd McConkey one, Doug Baldwin. <laughs> not as physical as Doug Baldwin. But I could see him having a similar career. Doug Baldwin was pretty good for a while. He was.
2: Combine, Steelers brass. There, we'll hear Omar Khan later in the week. Possibly tomorrow. What do you want? What is the Steelers' biggest draft need? Four one two nine two eight nine three seven zero. Get our opinions heard on this. Going to start with Steve in the car. Hello, Steve. Yeah, hey, how are you gentlemen today? Hey man,
3: we're good. Hello, Steve.
2: Yeah, I, I wanted to mention that um, I think
7: the cap hit on the defensive line versus the current return on investment that you get out of guys making like $28.5 million and $15 million, something like that, is just out of whack. And um, they're roughly, I don't know, 30, 40 pounds per man, a little bit lighter than a lot of teams. So it's a little bit easier to push somebody it's a little bit easier to block somebody on our defensive line to to make it harder to stop the run. I just think that if they, you know, I don't know if it's worth re-signing Okenjobi and everybody loves Cam Cameron Hayward. I think well, Okenjobi's under
3: contract still.
7: Um I, I'm just trying to say there's probably something you could do to you know, get a little bit younger, you know, Oh, Steve! Just somebody.
2: come right out and say it. You're beating around the bush here. You want them to get rid of Cam Hayward? Let us just hear it.
7: Just he's say a it. little bit like he's a little bit like Paul Malu was at the end of his career—that he was a good player, but not worth all that money. And we love him to death, but that's where he's at right now, guys. And you need somebody heavier and that costs a lot less Steve, money.
3: I got news for you, brother. I think you are the kind of person that Cam is referring to with that tweet he sent out on Friday. I saw that. He was saying, everyone wants you to retire because I was hurt all year. At least I know where everyone stands. You're
2: quick to forget when I'm healthy, but I look forward to reminding y'all. Uh-oh. I think they got to find a way to bring that number down, and they got to extend him to make it happen. I think they've got to come up with a way to make it worth his while by incentivizing him with the opportunity to play beyond this year because I don't think Cam is – I don't think he looks at 2024 like it's necessarily his last season. I mean, the tweet he sent makes it seem like he's extremely
3: pissed off and ready to have a big year. Hopefully he does.
2: I didn't really get the sense that there's a groundswell of people that think that he's way over the hill and ready to hang him
3: up. I thought that the tweet was also the classic, like, athlete sees one tweet in his mentions saying, like, you're washed up. It's time for you to go. You're a great player, but it's time and lets that just completely dominate their brain for the rest of the day. Here
2: is Ezra on the fan. Hello, Ezra.
9: Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, good to we talk go to you corner.
2: again,
9: Ezra. Hey, good to talk to you guys. I love you guys, man. Uh, I'm here in Atlanta, but look, we got to go corner. Because if we go corner, that we'll, we will literally be the first team to go, like, shut down cornerbacks, best secondary in the league, to counter Mahomes and the Chiefs. We're not going to find a quarterback that's going to beat Mahomes. So what we need to do is be the first team to be like, you know what? Look at the field, the division we play in, the quarterbacks in the AFC. Get two shutdown corners, PZ Island. Then we have Minka as our the best safety in the league. And I'm telling you, man, that secondary it doesn't matter who's our quarterback.
3: You know what's the problem with the Chiefs in the very immediate term is you have to have somebody you can cover Travis Kelsey, which is basically impossible because that's where Mahomes always goes when the chips are on the table
9: i, I mean i, I don't want to do a 2018 terrell Edmonds draft where it's like oh miami took minka well, that's we're a, just gonna that's a, let me ask you safety. something
3: that guy edger and cooper that played for AM, the inside linebacker everyone thinks he can stay with the best tight ends in the league physically but i want no part of that would you be
2: okay with no, that? Dude,
9: no no okay. i don't want uh, devin bush scarred me for life no. Well, I'm I scarred not by wanna... guys like
2: Artie Burns, Ezra. You're bringing up corners in the first round. I got Artie Burns, heartburn still.
9: You, you, you're right. And I got Ziggy Ziggy Hood scars. I get it. Jarvis Jones, I get it. This, we're going to have first round busts. Yep. But if you want to beat the quarterbacks in the AFC with our quarterback room, Shut down corners, What's dude. Ezra, do which, Island?
3: which corner do you like at the other side? Then, what guy in this draft uh, do you actually think will be
2: there that you really like? Maybe he likes the guy named Kool Aid.
9: No, 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 I don't. No, no, not him. Not T. Higgins out of Clemson. I like, I like the kid out of the back. Um, Mitchell the kid rising up.
2: Quinion yeah, Mitchell. Yeah, I like Mitchell. Yep. Tomlin was all over him. Apparently, uh, at senior day uh, or for, senior bowl. For
3: what it's worth, here, if they don't draft the tackle, I actually would prefer corner be the next position they look at it at twenty. So I'm actually more, I am i don't know if I would go with the same rationale Ezra used. That's the only way to beat Mahomes is to stack corners up. Um, but I do think that's my second highest spot there that I'd like to see them address. I put it ahead of center. You'd put it ahead of, well, corner. I go ahead of center. tackle, corner, center, in order. Not I, by much. It's pretty close, but it's i'm i'm trying to come up with a defined order for you here so i'm not a guy sitting on the fence going you know i could really see depending on who's see, think, on the board i think i think wide
2: receivers a bigger need than corner but i but trust that, like i trust corner? them i trust them to take wide receivers well, i want them to get a free agent but then again i look at this free agent list uh the athletic put it out today is from your your cousin Randy Muller who was the dolphins gm mm. cousin randy yeah and he has Jalen Johnson and Legereus Snead as the top two. Those guys are going to get tagged and probably will never make it to market. Who's next? His third best available corner is uh, Kyshawn Nixon from the Packers. And then he's got Stephen Nelson fourth, man. Ah, yes. Back to the future with Stephen Nelson. I mean, that's Here's a the real pro- thin... Gilmore in Dallas is sixth, but he's 33 years I old I think Stephon now. Gilmore needs to get on with his life's work. Howard's 31. I mean, it's just not...
3: Xavier Howard not looks deep, big, man. Like, and not in a good way. So
2: I guess if you're going to get better at corner, you're going to have to pony draft one. In, a in line. an NFL where teams
3: are ever more trying to put emphasis on defense, on edge and corner, doesn't it make way more sense that most good, really good corners are going to get locked up well before they hit free agency? Sauce Gardner is never going to sniff free agency, at least for the first ten, oh, pretty much ten he's, years of his. He's career. Revis 2.0 there. But I'm saying, you know what I mean? The guys <laughs> who are the like. Do you think Joey Porter Jr., if he has a really good second year, people are already going to murmur about a big money extension here? I think they will. And they should. Mm -hmm. He's going to get paid here because he should if he's that good. It's becoming a position. The only reason I bring this up is to say, not to, like, rip you about the free agency idea, but to say you are not going to be picking from the blue chippers in the class.
2: All right, so let's say you use the first-round pick on a corner. Let's
3: just say it's Mitchell,
2: the kid from Toledo. And the centers are gone. In the second, by the time you pick in the second round, let me see if I can find. I had the list here. I had their free agent centers. Okay, here they are. Free agent centers. They've got Mason Cole five. Ooh. By the way, uh, Lloyd Cushenberry one Broncos. Uh-huh. They've got Jason Kelsey two. He's retired, right? So I mean, we think
3: he he keeps like Donnie thinking that done? he might not be for sure. He's wishy washy.
2: But if he does I'm, play I'm, again, it's going to be in Philly. So right, it's not yeah. even like he's a free agent. He's either
1: retired, he's or not going to finish working on else. TV.
2: Yeah. Okay. Coleman Shelton with the Rams. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the uh, Cowboys center Tyler Biadas. Biadas, yeah.
3: They love Wisconsin guys, and Biadas is a Wisconsin guy. Paul Crist.
2: Paul Crist is not an exciting guy. No, he wasn't. <laughs> so I mean, it's not like the center market is that much deeper than. I mean, I think
3: cushionberry is obviously an upgrade. It's just how, like, do you trust? Let me put it this way. If you do the things that you just described, they take uh, corner at 20. They go somewhere else other than center in round two. If you get a guy like Cushenberry, I feel better about the position than I did a- exiting the season even before Mason Cole. It's an upgrade. Yep. And then if you're better at all the other spots you start to wonder if maybe that's enough. I think the
2: one position that we think is a need that they don't think is as big of a need is tackle, even though Dulac put it in his top five that he, that he thinks they, they draft in the first round. But if they don't, does that mean they're
3: going to keep Dan Moore over there this I, year? I
2: still think they like Moore. They're, just like they were the last to the party on Chooks, I think it's the same thing with Moore.
3: you know how angry this makes me? They picked the right guy that I thought they, they should have picked last year, and he's been good out of position. And instead of saying, okay, he got us through the year, he made our running game better, now let's put him back where we drafted well, him to play, let me ask, you they're going to keep playing Dan well, Moore.
2: I know that they like cited this ridiculous conversation that happened during a game or at the end of the game that got Chukes benched. But seriously, last year, if you were going to go by performance and bench a tackle for Jones, I would have benched Moore before I benched Chukes and just had Jones slide into his natural position and kept Chooks. Probably, who- yeah. We yeah, know what we're getting with him. He's less just an adequate, parts. average, run-of-the-mill
3: type right tackle. No, Can, Man, somebody should have practiced ventriloquism and then tried to pretend to be Dan Moore saying, we should just run out the clock. We suck. Get
2: they them just, both. Bench. They just
3: have a weird soft spot for Dan Moore. No, I know why they do, though. It's because they picked him mid-rounds. He looked like a non-NFL caliber player, and then he battled his way to the top. I hate that
2: crap. Here is Steven Latrobe on the fan. Hello, Steve. <laughs>
7: Tony Muller, good evening, gentlemen. How are you? We're good, thanks.
2: What What's do you up, got for Steve? us, Steve? Uh,
7: Mike Webster, Dermonte Dawson, um, Marquise Pouncey. We've been spoiled with some incredible centers, and people forget how important they are when they're making their checkdowns. They can trap. They can pull out. They can do all these things to make a quarterback's life easier. And – I don't see how you go anywhere else but center because you can get a defensive end next year to replace Cam or you can do some other things. But we haven't truly had a, a, a legit center since Marquise
3: retired. And if you have a young quarterback, man, you need that guy who can center the offensive line All right, Steve. Question. and get it going. Question. Powers Johnson in the first round or Frazier in the second round? Let's just for argument's sake... Say they're say, both there. Say they're both there at twenty and fifty-one, respectively.
7: I would take Powers Johnson in the first. I don't care where
3: he's rated by anybody. My guy out of Oregon, I would
7: take him in a heartbeat.
3: Steve, and be I like, only asked that because go. I thought, being from Latrobe, you might be close enough to West by God, Virginia, that you'd
2: default to Fraser. And amateur wrestling is so big here that with or does Powers Johnson have a wrestling background too, or is that just Fraser? Do we know if Powers Johnson was also a wrestler? Yeah.
4: Right, Frazier was a four-time state champion. I know.
2: That's my people that I talked to down in Washington County, just the very wrestling capital, well, blue-collar like myself. Oh yeah, they yeah. love Frazier down there. Oh yeah, yeah. If we were
3: polling, what's the big school in Washington County that was always great at wrestling? McGuffey. Mm,
2: yeah. Yep. McGuffey'd have kids just throwing down left and right. That contingent of people dying for, uh, reding injury. I'm not actually like counting that as his fault. A two-year contract.